Hello, everybody. Welcome to another locked down edition of Frame Trap. Uh, I will be your host, Ben Moore. Joining me this time is Cloud Strife. I mean, Bradley Ellis. Hello. And Mr. Kyle Bossman. Hello. Uh, before we get into the thick of things, I just want to know, uh, this is the second frame trap we've done on lockdown. How is, how is lockdown life treating you? Pretty good, I guess. Like I've been okay. Like I miss going outside sometimes to more areas, but uh, there's been so many good video games lately. I guess that's helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Could be worse. Yeah. It's for me, you know, I'm kind of built for this. This is my regular old lifestyle almost uh i think i'm going a little crazy i think there are moments where i'm like speaking to myself and it's like oh yeah i'm i'm nuts now Mm. um but generally pretty good generally high spirits when was the last time you spoke to someone in person anytime i order fast food okay that's it though that's it okay (laughs) is that is that kind of how you've gotten around needing to go to the grocery store a lot is just delivery yeah and yeah, uh, Soylent helps. You can mm. basically skip a meal if you have Soylent. And then, yeah, just I got, I got more stuff in my fridge than I'm used to. Um, but yeah, dude, I feel like I'm eating less. Mm. Yeah, I, I, hear feel, you. I feel like I'm just skipping stuff because like I don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when, you're, when you're having these these moments where you're like, oh, that's, that's an effect of the lockdown. Like you're talking to yourself. Is that like during a game where you're like, oh, that was bs or that was really exciting or something like that it is when i'm walking around when i'm like looking at my laundry and talking about something completely irrelevant dude Mm. i'm normal when i'm playing games very very normal it's when i'm making coffee that the the mind starts to wander yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's pretty fascinating um Yeah, it's weird. Kyle, I sort of agree with you that I was kind of a, a stay-at-home person anyway, but there are definitely times where it's like, oh, I just want to do a quick errand. Like, I just want to go pick up this thing at the grocery store, or I just want to, like, go here and rent a movie or something. And, of course, you can do a lot of that stuff online. But I always have that moment where I'm like, oh, wait, no, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't do it. It's not necessary. Like, yeah. I don't need to go out. Uh, I forgot to mention one big thing that's changed is I can't go to the gym anymore. I used to try to go like three or four times a week, but it's mm-hmm. like I'm trying to work out at home now and it sucks. Mm. I hate it. I hate it. Do you, have, do you have weights? Yeah. Okay. But like I hate it. Yeah. It's so much harder for me to be motivated at home. Uh, I'm getting into squats and lunges, Brad. Ooh, squats, baby. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I just think of the Final Fantasy VII squats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the guy doing this, he does like the uh, the old bicycle oh, thing. Oh, sure, yeah. It looks like he's doing it wrong, or at mm-hmm. least I don't do them that way. <laughs> uh, has anyone else's sleep schedule been completely destroyed? Gone, dude. Yeah. I've seen so many sunrises. Yeah. I, I've consistently, like, I'll fall asleep at like 7, wake up at 10, and then be up till 5. That has happened Man. A number of times. I've been okay, actually. I nice. Fall asleep a lot around like one. Nice. So it's like I'm trying to stay normal. I don't really like staying up that late anymore. Mm. Kind of, bu- I I get like kind of bummed out just being up super late. I don't think I'm a really late night person anymore. I think I've convinced myself that I like being up late because it, I like being up when no one else is up because it's just so quiet and peaceful. Sure. Yeah. I like that I get feeling that. of. 
like true peace, I guess. I, just I, I don't even think it's really true, but yeah, I just love that sunshine, baby. When I just yeah. see it look outside, it's super jolly out. Yeah, I feel like I can't go outside though, and so I know. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, well, to no one's surprise, right? This is the Final Fantasy VII remake episode. What game could we possibly start with? Other than yeah. the Final Fantasy VII remake, mm-hmm. um, so a little bit of context here. I've been playing it since Wednesday. Brad, you've reviewed it and finished it, mm-hmm. and Kyle, you've been playing it since last night. Last night, yeah. Um, it's actually really cool because uh, my wife wants to play through it with me and enjoy the story, and that has been great. Uh, nice. And Kyle, you and I are about at the same. Point. I think you're at the beginning of chapter six, and I just finished chapter six. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brad is great about spoilers, so I'm sure you won't ruin anything. But as somebody who got to review it, Brad, mm-hmm. as, I think this has been like your most anticipated game, not just of this year, but long of time, anything. Yeah. yeah, a long time. Did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, I walked away from this game feeling feeling very pleased and. Uh, I wrote this for every like feeling very uh, comfortable about what will come next in the next mm. part. Were you disappointed at all by, and you don't have to go into where it ends, but uh, did this, the ending of the story feel abrupt or unfinished no. at all to you? No. I mean, I always knew what the story was and mm-hmm. like what the remake was going to tell and where it ends. And I kind of had a feeling where it would, but the, it, it did more than I expected, I'll say. Okay. Um, like, things change and I have questions, so, but it's not, I'm just like kind of like, oh, well, now I get to see what the next part, kind of what's going to happen. So, satisfied, but looking forward to the next part. Uh, so, Ben, I am curious what is on and off the table for this discussion? Um, on the table, I think we got to get into structure, right? Because I think structurally it's very different than the original Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think that is worth talking sure. about. I think combat is definitely on the table, and I think along with combat, you have customization so the, as well. I would say there's some things that are what I think are completely new. I don't remember being in the game, but I'm like, is that in the game? Mm-hmm. There's a lot. That's new. There is a lot okay. that is completely okay, new. Okay, so I'm going to assume yeah. that thing that I thought was new is new. I don't know what you're thinking of. You but could ask me later. Okay, I'll ask you later. Yes. I mean, I don't want to hurt the discussion by being too non-spoilery, but I don't want to spoil things if we don't have Sure. To. I'll just say then, yeah, in, instead of saying that, I'll say that it, it's been very fun to see new things, to see mm-hmm. uh, yeah. interesting wrinkles and expansions upon what my expectations were in the first place, for sure. I think um, that moment really hit me, Kyle, especially when you kind of get to the slums and it's like, all right, go do these five side quests, go run around, go talk to all these people um that is where i really had the wow this is very very different than what you get in the original final fantasy or at least it felt different and i i love like sometimes there's a little bit too much of it maybe but running down like a street and just hearing all of the chatter and feeling like oh man i have a a much better understanding of what this world is like um and then i think when you go above the plate as well you kind of get a better understanding of the disparity between the two worlds than you got uh, in the original Final Fantasy VII. A funny thing—it's more pronounced. A thing. funny thing about those side missions to me is that 
I think we play enough RPGs where a person asks you to do a thing and you just do it. Um, right. In this game, they actually justify it. They say to Cloud, it's about connections. It's about not who you and what you like. It's about who you know, right? And so mm -hmm. it actually makes sense for this mercenary to be looking for a cat. Like they, yeah. they give him even a justification just to be mm -hmm. doing the smallest, stupidest side, side quests. And I appreciated that just from a story standpoint. I like that. Along those same lines, Kyle, something else that I really like is... I feel like sometimes in an RPG, you know, your your main character has a very particular attitude, but they're just doing things without question mm -hmm. or without anything. Like, Cloud is still Cloud no matter what he's doing. If he's going and getting cats, he'll remark about how stupid it is, you know? Like, you feel like he is responding to what the player is asking him to do yeah. in a way that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um. I also, uh, I just think it's funny. That's all. The weapon shop guy. So you meet this weapon shop guy pretty early on. And he's like, man, you're a, he calls you a punk ass bitch. Cause you essentially shake him down. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do like one thing and he's like, oh, you're amazing. Let's, let's sell some weapons. And so I thought, <laughs> mm -hmm. well, it's cause he wants like people to funny. know that you went to his shop to buy stuff. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't even bother me. No, 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 no. I just, no. I just, I just like yeah. that too about it. Yeah. Um, Biggs and Wedge talk to you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Yeah, Boy, that's something that I think we should comment on, is just how expanded so many of the characters yeah. are. Like, Biggs, Wedge, Jesse, way, way, way more involved mm -hmm. uh, than they were in the original game. In, in pretty remarkable ways. Um, there are some things that you do with those three characters specifically that I was like, oh man, this is great. Like, I feel mm -hmm. super attached to these characters. Yeah. In, a, in a way where it's like... The four of these characters could be their own RPG party. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you can almost buy this yeah. game. You could be like, this is its own adventure. This is really nice. Right. Um, and yeah, just the role of like so much is expanded. I, I feel like I'll keep thinking of things that kind of pop into my mm -hmm. head. Um, I Boy, there's so much about this game that I like. I really love the way that they handle kind of music as a collectible. Yes, I like so I do really love that. The only problem is is that there's no like clean version that I could find mm. the way to listen to the music in the game. Because the records you get are really cool like remixes of the songs, but it plays off the yeah. jukebox where it kind of sounds right. like it's playing off a jukebox. I wish there was a way to sure. hear more like a, a super clean version. Hey, sure. Uh, I did. I yeah. bought the soundtrack. Oh, okay. <laughs> I paid up. <laughs> I don't have. It's not out yeah. yet, though. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bummer because, like, even getting the the super mega first class edition, they do the thing that a lot of RPGs do, where it's like, well, here's a mini soundtrack. Yeah. Like, here's a few songs yeah. off of the official yeah. thing, and it's like, really? Okay. Um, oh, I have a question. So you have yeah. the pre order <laughs> summons or whatever the extra ones. I didn't have any of those. Yeah. How, mm -hmm. how, how are those? So I got Baby Chocobo right. for the pre-order. And Baby Chocobo is just cute. It's it's It'll help you in very early fights and then be worthless for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what I figured. Yeah, it, it was an, a neat way to just have an early summon uh, that is inconsequential, but you know, just a neat thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my opinion on this could definitely change. I wouldn't describe the pre-order summons as inconsequential. Um, like Carbuncle, for example is pretty good. Um, not like game breaking, I would say, but Carbuncle offers some support. Um, and his like ultimate ability, that full heal can come in really oh. handy. 
uh, with where I'm at right now. And so that's been that's been really good. And I, I, I agree with Kyle's assessment. Chocobo Chick is cute and Cactuar is cute. Yeah, tell me about that Cactuar. That's the one I want the most. Does it do a thousand needles? I don't know. Does it? Yeah, he does. He does yes, he does a thousand needles. So you get like summon abilities and I believe, and comments can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the summon ability is thousand needles and then the ultimate ability is 10,000 cool. needles. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. I've summoned Cactuar once or twice, I think. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting because Ifrit, Ifrit is like the only one the game has given mm-hmm. me, and the other three have just been, you know, yeah, he's so order s- bonuses he's or whatever. He's so sick, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ifrit is the only one of those four that changes your stats. Yeah. Whereas the others you equip and they have no. And what's funny stats. is, uh, so Final Fantasy VII, the original, I played after eight and nine, and while I still loved it to death, there were moments where like I summoned Ifrit, and I'm like, man, this thing is lame. He mm-hmm. looks so dumb in the original. And so this, <laughs> oh, in 8? Or yeah, in the original 7? Original 7. Okay. Original 7, he's just kind of like a a blocky man. He, I mean, he's just like weird, like non-textured even. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just such a fun upgrade. It's kind of funny, Kyle, because the, the Final Fantasy 8 version of him is amazing, yeah. I think. Yeah. Where he, like, coming out of the ground on that flaming rock with, like, his arms crossed and then... He's got the hairy legs in eight. Uh, is that right? Yeah, he's like more uh, beast-like in eight. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very he's very beast-like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that is a good way to describe it for sure. Um, Kyle, uh, as you know, we all I, I think it's no surprise that I think we all hold Final Fantasy VII pretty dear. Uh, how are you feeling about all of the newness, all the changes, this this sort of new take on Final Fantasy VII? Um, I love the death, dude. I I so like. It is, there were moments where I said they they really just rethought making this a video game and, and not even just mm-hmm. nods and winks, right? Uh, just what would be fun? What would be interesting? What can we explore here? And uh, I, I'm admiring this game's creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- without getting like too specific, that mission that we alluded to where you're hanging out uh, with the other Avalanche members uh, mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And just in terms of making these characters people and making this environment a place that people live in, making um, the world of an RPG something you care about, uh, I think it's really important. And a lot of RPGs are really good at it, right? They show you enough people. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was thinking about Alderaan. I was thinking about how you see Alderaan blow up in the first mm-hmm. Star Wars movie and you don't care. You never saw anybody on that planet. Yeah. You have no idea what that planet looks like. And so the job of an RPG and most movies, right, is to make you care about the world that's at stake. And this not only does that, but it makes us care about the characters who are at stake. Um, and in creative ways, you know, interesting ways that I never suspected would be included in this. I think it does a really good job also of kind of both from what Shinra is doing and what Avalanche is doing, really trying to emphasize how actions will affect a broad group of people, which I really like. Um, Like there's a moment where you have to kind of turn off these lamps and it's serving as the sun for some people below. And just, I think, highlighting that like, hey, this is going to kind of hurt people, but we need to do it because we believe in this cause and all that stuff. I, I don't know. I love 
the way that they introduce it and how different characters within your immediate party, like Barrett has a very different response than Cloud, who has a very different response than Tifa. Um, and everybody just feels, uh, my, my wife who's been playing it with me, she said, you know, everybody feels very well-rounded. Everybody feels like they have very clearly defined mm-hmm. goals and reactions for what they're, they want out of this world, basically. And I, I agree with that. Um, no, I say I brought that up in my review. How kind of every every character at this point in the story is on point. I felt like and is acting how they should at this point in the story. So I'm mm-hmm. glad like you guys are also noticing these yeah, dude. traits. You know, at first when like Tifa's like doing like these motions, I'm like, dude. But then you, like Tifa's got a lot going on that I yeah. truly appreciated. It's like okay, this right. is this is a character. This is a human being. Even. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little scared. There's a lot of like weird motions, like just anime things. Oh, that yeah, that's do, just you know? Japanese games, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like the dialogue's there, dude. The voice acting is there. Yeah, the, so I, I kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit about whether I was going to play in Japanese or English for this. And I played in English and I really do not regret it. I've, I've been pretty, pretty impressed with the vocal performances across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, They've done a really yeah, job. I think they're great. Um, you know, I was a little bit worried in the beginning about the combat because I was like, I feel, <laughs> I feel as though I'm not doing much, mm-hmm. um, and I felt very limited with my options. But that was that is has slowly melted away, and of course, I still have a lot to go, and so that this opinion will evolve more over time. But once you, I really like. So chapter six, I feel like they're like, hey, make sure you explore because there's some really good stuff to find. And I think that's about the point where you can start doing different setups and you can see the effects different materia is having in battle. And that was when I was like, okay, now I'm really getting into the combat. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, when you start, have to do, start having to do uh, like enemy prioritization more where it's like, hey, kill these guys off on the side or they're going to have ranged attacks. They're going to interrupt you and... It's it's starting to show its depth. Yeah, I think in a way. Yeah, that'll ramp up as you go uh, too. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, Kyle, how are you feeling about the combat? Uh, regularly, uh, just kind of switching to Tifa and punching things. Uh, I think the combat is at its best in boss fights. The boss fights have been yeah. so interesting, and their multiple phases in the practicality of destroying certain parts of it normally in an rpg where it's like destroy four legs or the main body i'm just like i'll just put all my damage in the main body and this Mm -hmm. one it kind of makes sense to do the four legs you know what i mean to find weak points and uh i and i like that most enemies if you read the descriptions have a different a a fastest path to staggering them right and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like just use magic or just use physical attacks or you know, it's you're not going to stagger it if it's doing this thing. So just cool off for a second. Uh, I really like that. I think in a lot of games like this, you not excuse me. There aren't a lot of games like this. You can easily play it like a third person action game, and you're like, oh, I got hit. And like it's an RPG, you're going to get hit. You're going to take damage. And so I right. think that accepting that and just learning how to play it uh, in, by its rules has been pretty fun. I not just in RPGs, but I think any game that relies on multiple characters, um, there are like there are sometimes I feel like I play a game and it's like I have the options to switch switch characters and I kind of forget about mm-hmm. it because I don't the game isn't really pushing me to do that and so it just kind of fades into the back of your mind. Whereas here it's like no, 
this is so much easier if you just use Barrett to deal with this guy. Or, you know, Tifa has some really good stuff that she can do. Use her. Uh, but also because you're limited on materia slots, right? Not one character can do everything with magic. And you have pretty limited MP in the beginning. And so you really do have to kind of utilize the entire party. Um, and I find myself, you know issuing commands a lot and i'm like oh this kind of feels like classic final fantasy 7 like the, the the kernel of it is still there they've kind of done a good job of blending this old and new i think pretty well and i think uh i think the enemies grappling you is a really good way to yeah. encourage just mm-hmm. hitting left Switch. on the d-pad and playing to somebody else for a little while yeah. and then you're like oh this is cool yeah. actually yeah it's, it's a really nice way to encourage play- switching around i totally agree with that i think and this definitely is a, a nitpick um, I think there is maybe a little too much slow walking. Um, a few, f- too, a f- just a few too many times where the game is like, hold up, we gotta, we gotta very much slow down and like have this conversation. There, there are just a couple of times where I, I feel like it, it kind of sends things crashing to a halt when it doesn't need to, and it hasn't bothered me that much because I've enjoyed the interactions between the characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the the slow walking I has gotten. I think for a game with so much cutscenes and dialogue, it's kind of a necessity. Like I agree, can slow things down. But I feel like if you could just blow past everything, you'd start. You'd just stand at somewhere forever with them just talking with each other when they're not even right. talking about what you're actually doing at this moment. It's like an or, alternative to a cutscene. Yeah, kind of. It's it's weird, Brad, because I I agree with you and. But it, and this is just a personal preference, and, and I think why I frame this as a nitpick, because in some ways I almost prefer a cutscene where it's like, well, I don't even have the option to move. There's mm-hmm. just something about like a game restricting you that almost feels worse, where it's like, you can move, but you can only move in mm-hmm. the exact way that we tell you to. That Gotcha. Yeah. But it, it's not, it's sure. not ruining the game for me or anything. Yeah, man. Um, what else is there to talk about with Final Fantasy VII Remake? Oh, I wanted to bring it up to you too because you guys love Final Fantasy IX. What do you think about the the weapon? So each weapon has a unique ability tied to it, and you mm-hmm. level it up mm-hmm. to learn that ability so you can have it permanently. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. So it, it feels like before the reason you would like hold on to a weaker weapon is just it's got more slots, mm-hmm. and so I really do like that. The weapons not only have their own ability where like hey if you use this weapon enough you're going to learn that ability forever the idea of leveling the weapons up themselves and they have this own like little galactic um, yeah. solar systems uh that's been really interesting to me because then like a weaker weapon is a stronger one suddenly mm-hmm. and uh it's it gives the weapons more of a life and i like i can't I mean, Brad, you finished the game. I can't see how this is sustainable. You know what I mean? Sometimes an mm-hmm. old weapon is just you throw it away. Uh, but it's really interesting to me to, to have uh, I think worthless weapons yeah, remain useful. I think like the, the typical video game thing, you'll kind of gravitate towards maybe near the end, like one or two different types because mm-hmm. you like a certain thing about the weapon. Like maybe you like the stats this one offers you instead of the other one. Because definitely some weapons are better at different things. Mm-hmm. Like the Buster Sword is kind of at this point in the game for you guys, just kind of like all around, from what I remember. Yeah, uh, I've actually been using the is what is it like the Iron the, Sword? Uh, second that has three one, slots. right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because because of, of the the increased slots. Brett, I actually really like it. And it's something that I like about Final Fantasy IX as well. Um, I feel like, and this is just anecdotal, I feel like there's been a, a rising trend in loot to just kind of be like whatever has the bigger number mm-hmm. equipment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's just more of a considered effort here, even not just with the weapons, but the accessories early on where it's like, do you want more slots or do you want more defense? Mm-hmm. And how, at least it feels to me, that's not always a straightforward decision where there are times where it's like, oh man, like this character is getting really wrecked, but they can cast this stuff. And like, I don't know, there's there's just a, there's, there's the right amount of depth, I mm-hmm. think, where, you know, you can talk about the accessories, you can talk about the weapons and how they level up, but that also applies to the materia, right? Like sometimes keeping materia around just because you want to level it up and increase its potency and then reevaluate it. Like, I don't know. I love it when an RPG is always making you second guess mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Um, and you're not just going into every battle doing the same thing, just wanting bigger numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm curious to see. Like, I don't think I'm at a point in the game yet where it's, like, gone full throttle yet, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. And so I'm curious to get to the end of the game to kind of see what the final do you mean like combat wise combat yeah yeah i mean yeah you unlock hard mode when you beat the game and in hard mode you don't regain mp by resting or anything Mm -hmm. you can't use items so it's going to be really about materia management yeah of having the right materia and the right abilities right items that's cool yeah can you is there like a new game plus into hard mode? so like when you beat the game ben you unlock hard mode but you could pick any chapter you want at any time and you could change gotcha. the difficulty right when you start. So you could be like, I want to do chapter three. I'm going to set it to hard mode and hey, that's hard mode. There's exactly how Doom a few things that you can only get in hard mode too. Nice. Okay, cool. 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 Has, has hard kind of lived up to its billing? Yeah. I, I beat like, I think I've played the first three chapters on hard mode and the boss fights are especially as like, really focus up because like i'm level cap ready and that's when it becomes more about material management nice doing proper builds that work for you right yeah man because i i haven't even really gotten equipment where it's like okay now you can have linked material yeah that 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 changes things quite a bit right Yeah, yeah yeah for sure um i had a question Oh, uh, the you brought it up, but I actually really like the vending machines as well, mm-hmm. um, because they do this interesting thing where, like, sometimes when you go to a vending machine, certain things will be on sale, yeah. or they'll have things that you can't normally buy, like ethers, um, and so I think it just sort of adds this fun little discovery is where it's like, oh man, I don't need to... like it, they could have just had regular items. Yeah. Right? They could have always just had like potions or high potions or whatever. And so you could be like, ah, oh, well I don't need to go and visit this thing. Mm-hmm. But because there's some randomness there, yeah. I think it makes it kind of exciting to uncover. They have music. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot so of the portable vendors have yeah. unique music only at that specific one. So you want to keep an eye out. Like a lot of times you could hear the song when you get close to it, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is something I don't have. What a fun collectible, right? Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of songs too. Cool. And it's not just the songs, Kyle. It's the the album art. Oh that my god, they're the songs. so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they won really me good. right away with Tifa's album art, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, yes, this is... that's the one I was going to bring yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there's some good stuff. So Ben, I I mean, I really do like that. At this point in the game, for me, 
uh, high potions are a hot commodity. Sure. And mm-hmm. that's rare in any RPG for like mm-hmm. a high potion to mean anything past you past the fourth hour. You know what I mean? I should just be able to spend all my money on high potions, but they wisely don't allow me to. And so really trying to minimize damage is an important part of the game instead of just holding down right. square. And so I do really right. like that a lot. Uh, Brent, there was another there was another minor nitpick that I just thought of that, now that we're talking about items and stuff. So I think the um, the bench, I feel like the benches have been spread out enough mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, this is this is good. Like this is convenient without feeling like too much of a crutch. Unless I'm wrong, you can't just like outside of once you get done with the battle and you're outside of combat, you can't just go into your menu like you traditionally can and use potions right mm-hmm. like it like right. you gotta do it one at a like, time right now, yeah. yeah yeah and so you have to do it outside of combat and you have to see the animation every time and i'm like well mm-hmm. i think outside of combat you should just be able when to go you get menu. more powerful healing spells that become it becomes less yeah. of an issue sure 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 because sure. I'm, I'm i feel like i'm at a point right now where it's like well if i have 50 potions <laughs> i want to use the potions over cure because i don't have that much mp yeah is where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I mean I didn't even really use have to use items that much in the game. Like once you start, once you yeah, leveled stuff like, up. Sure. I was maxed out on healing stuff, like potions that had ninety nine forever, just stuff like that. Like I re- like I started using ethers, for, obviously because you start draining mana. But yeah, your mana mm. pool will build up, so you'll have more flexibility. Do you guys have different tiers of uh, material? Like, have you leveled up? Yeah, ours. I've leveled up a few things. Fire like, leveled you're up. You're just leveled I up. Fire really, and Blizzard. I really yeah. like that mechanic of you being able to select the tier of it during mid-combat. Yeah. So you're yes. like, oh, I just want to burn a normal fire, but like, oh, bigger boy, you need to use fire or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that selection is a really nice thing as well. I think just overall, I'm really happy with how this feels... That it's not a super literal interpretation. No. And I'm sure that that is what a lot of people want, and I, I don't think that that is invalid in any way. But there are a lot of things that Final Fantasy VII is doing that I feel like it's kind of reminding me in the Resident Evil remake where it's like, if we could make that this thing now, this is what we would yeah, do. Yeah, I think it's... And I think that is kind of like... I don't know. I think there, there, there's more potential to be interesting. So to me, this is like this is a reimagining of Final yeah, Fantasy VII for, sure. for the modern age, and I think Square's sure. communicated that, and it it shows as you play. Like there is definitely systems and nods to the original, but they kind of change it up a bit to feel mm-hmm. to fit in better with what they're going with. Like the ATB gauge is some perfect example of something from the original that they kind of added in here that makes sense, but it works a little different. Yeah, Brad, I'm actually so glad you brought up the ATB gauge because I do think that's an important thing to bring up as well where, like, you have to think about that resource so much. Mm-hmm. Like, there are times where it's like, oh, I'm just, I've got two bars, I'm just going to go nuts on damage. And then I'm, like, frantically waiting for it to build yeah. back up so I can heal. And it's like, ah, maybe I should, you know, be a little bit more careful with how I'm spending these Or even use an item. Really yeah, like I love lot. that to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that yeah. it rewards you being active. So you can't really just run around the field and hope your ATB meter fills up in time right. for you to heal. Uh, because if you just attack, it'll fill up faster. Yeah. And right. if you're the active party member, it also fills up faster. So it, again, it incentivizes switching around. Yeah, if you're holding block down to it goes up slower. So you can't turtle is necessarily as easy. Yeah. 
That's almost like a, a sort of like bloodborne aggression get in yeah, there. Yeah, the game rewards you for who you're playing system. as and being active with them. Yeah, definitely. Like, I got a question oh, for go you too. Um, and this is the tiniest, weirdest thing. Is was Cloud's door an N64 texture for yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yes, I bring up yeah. the textures in my review, Kyle. I thought it was a bug, there's, man. I thought there's nope. no way this door looks nope. like this. The all yeah. so that happens. That, door, that, that kind of feeling. Happens so yeah, a few the times. textures in the game sometimes, especially in the outdoor areas, like in a town or something, they'll kind of just pop in. Mm-hmm. But that door, I know, I remember those doors specifically from when I was playing it because they never like load. They yeah. just always stayed the same. But a lot yeah. of the other textures out in the world, they will load up. But I, yeah, it's my, definitely an issue with the game. It has to have been like, like a last minute memory save. Yeah. It must have been just like the last day. And they're just like, hey, it, we cannot run a stable we, frame yeah. rate. Just make it an N64 texture. And they're like, fine, yeah. fine. It's hilarious sometimes when you contrast the door to like Cloud's hyper-realistic Oh my face. God, the character models? Like, like the door insane. is like the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the game definitely the has some issues with that. So, like, I'm waiting for that PC, PS5 version where they just yeah. like, clean all that stuff up. Because we know yeah. the door texture yeah. exists. Yeah. We it's know they made like, it. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely sacrificed some of that so the game ran better, I would yeah. say, because it runs pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I never noticed... I don't. I haven't played on a base PS4, but I never really noticed, like, frame rate dips or anything, especially in combat, when there's, like, shit gets crazy in that game. And I never really noticed from like, oh man, it's chugging right now. I know I'm saying this as a joke, but it's always funny when PC versions come out because I feel like a lot of times they have a subtitle right mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, special edition, Enhanced edition yeah. gold or royal or whatever. I just want them to to just be more literal. Texture pack like, edition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like. The real yeah. deal, or something. The real deal. I don't know. Yeah. That door is going to be in the deal. trailer. Yeah. <laughs> of the PC yeah. version? It's just going to be Dude, it's going to be like the Bloodstained trailer. Igarashi was showing the old stuff. <laughs> and it's just going to be Nomura talking the about... comments? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like Twitter comments on the door. Uh, Kyle, let's move completely in the opposite direction uh, with something much, much smaller than Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, you... Did you play... I don't know if you played all of it, I guess, but you played... Uh, Shinsekai Into the Depths. I, pl- I played this? to the... Okay, so I have not played all of it. Um, so this okay. is... I was first made aware of this during the Nintendo Mini Direct a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a an underwater Metroidvania uh, developed by Capcom. Um, it's on uh, Apple Arcade and Switch right now. That's it. And it's got a look. And I think that's why I picked it up, right? Most Metroidvanias, I think there's a lot of indie game Metroidvanias, right? There's no shortage of it. Mm-hmm. This one just had a look where there's something to it, man. Uh, your character just looks weird. Uh, you, you don't have a name. You're just this underwater person, I, I guess the last of your kind. And you have like big bulgy eyes with just a slit in them and you look like a robot you look like a, a freaky thing that is likable <laughs> and the mm-hmm. way you move is likable and i think what sticks what keeps you playing is there's a reason for it being underwater it not just allows you to go in three directions at any times um uh, 
sorry, I keep saying three directions as if that's a thing. It allows you to go up and down and left and right all at the same time without mm -hmm. having to jump. But anyway, um, there's some momentum to the water. There's some like, uh, you know, this kind of slow startup and then huge acceleration. And it just feels good to have this rocket propulsion underwater. Basically, you're always not really like swimming slowly, but you get this momentum. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just having enjoyable physics is enough for a 2d game and 3d game honestly like a platformer sometimes just having this thing that, that feels nice to control is enough to get you through some things um and it's an interesting game ben it's a very open metroidvania i would say um and not in its structure necessarily but in its environments you can go all over the place and you'll not always be rewarded for it sometimes you're just in a cave and there's nothing in that cave hmm. and it hmm. almost makes this world more fun to explore it makes it more rewarding when you do find a thing um and all of the things matter uh well no sometimes you max out on resources and you can't build a new thing but it's fun to upgrade your suit in individual ways and uh like you craft ammo you craft healing items and so another thing in metroidvania i like is when killing enemies matters uh mm. because you know you're going to see the same enemies in the same environments over and over in many cases and so uh repeating enemies can be fun if they're giving you something for it um and so yeah i i haven't finished it i i might still but i just kind of had like a good time with it this mm. game mm. uh you mentioned resources and crafting ammunition yeah. is that like a pretty pressing concern is is there almost like a survival horror bent to it not if you explore and so i think that's why it rewards exploring i think that hmm. i'd be strapped for ammo if i was not going off in every direction outside of the one like pinging thing that they're telling me to go toward yeah is combat itself fun to engage with like are there interesting mechanics with it or is it just kind of point click shoot it so thing? you get basically what I have now, I think I have all the weapons. They're basically all harpoon guns, but just with different mm. aspects. Uh, like one will one will shoot a drill that goes into a thing. One connects you to a thing, and you can like pull yourself toward it and punch it. Um, one's this really cool harpoon that goes in two different directions, and then basically creates uh, a, a, an electrical tape that surrounds the enemy and electrocutes them. Um, what I like, Ben, is that each of those weapons has a use outside of combat uh, in and exploration and unlocking new areas and things. This is what I want out of basically any Metroidvania is your upgrades also not only means like, hey, this rocket hits harder, but you have access to a different area and vice versa. Yeah. Um, no, so I would say the boss fights are pretty cool, but I would say just kind of wandering around and like pegging enemies with your harpoon gun, it's okay. Mm. Is there much of a narrative or is it just kind of more about the exploration it's got one of those cool narratives where you go to basically like libraries or books and it's all images there's no mm. textual except for the beginning where there's like a brief monologue uh there's no textual story there but hmm. something happened something happened something happened to humanity you see a lot of like wrecked buildings and battleships and regular ships and cars and you're like what happened to this planet and you kind of just kind of uncover that as you go this might just be my own lack of awareness here, but I didn't know that this was really a thing. Like I didn't know Same. that it was on Apple Arcade and, you know, outside of the direct. Yeah. Um, I feel like it hasn't been getting a lot of buzz and this is from Capcom. Yeah. I, I wonder if part of it is just kind of the struggle with 
promoting different sizes of things simultaneously, right? Where you have Shinsekai coming out on Switch, but then you also have Resident Evil 3 Remake, yeah. which is kind of your flagship thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wonder if that's just the sole reason or, or what. I think it's hard, I think it's hard for any 2D Metroidvania game to garner attention today. Sure, it's sure. really hard to stand out. This one visually stood out to me, and that's why you know I purchased it. But it's hard to market it. I think it's so hard to market this kind of thing. It's funny, Kyle, because I feel like in the days of Shadow Complex, yeah, promoting something as a Metroidvania was like how you did it, and that was exciting mm-hmm. uh, because it didn't feel like there were so many. Whereas, yeah, I, I agree. Now there's no shortage of them, and so it's it's funny how things change yeah. like that for sure. Definitely. Sounds cool, man. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, man. It and, does sound and cool. It's limited, right? It is It is cool. It is not great. It doesn't achieve yeah. greatness. And so yeah. it is really just like a pretty cool chill down game. But yeah, like a lot of times, like I don't need a game to be great. Yeah. Like if, it's just, if I'm just enjoying for what it is, that's enough sometimes. Dude, dude, I got a game like that to talk about. Oh. Not great, but enjoying it for what it is. Yes, definitely. Uh, but Brad, yeah. you have a game that has been kind of on your i feel like you've been chopping at the bit to play it for a long time yes you've been diving in this game has been on my backlogs pretty much since the ps1 era i've been this is a game like for years that has just been there looming over me but i've just never gotten around to but now that so had you ever played it at all because like i've played it but i've never played it before nice and now that we're in quarantine we got time to play i beat Mm -hmm. final c7 i beat resident evil it was time. I was like, all right, dude, let's, let's get out the fat PS3. Let's boot this shit up. That's Chrono Cross. The nice. PS1. I think it was like 2000 or something this game came out. Maybe 2001. Ooh, so late. 2000 sounds right. Yeah, it's a late PS1 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrono Cross. So a, a weird, strange, but enjoyable departure from Chrono Trigger, I would say. Uh, s- sorry to yeah, interrupt yeah. you, Brad. Almost 2000, so November okay. 1999. Yeah, so it's like a before, I think Final Fantasy Oh, North America 2000, 2000. Yeah, sorry. So it was like around Final okay, Fantasy IX time, I think. Somewhere around there. But this game is super yeah. weird and interesting and in how, like, I guess it's kind of connected to Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger. Like, they said Chrono Trigger in the game. So I was like, oh, but it feels very loose connection to Chrono Trigger right now. I'm only, like, I think I'm eight hours in. But what's really different about this game is two things. It's combat and it's party members. So this game yeah. has a shit ton of party members, man. Like a bunch of weird, like Kyle, the first party member you can get is like a pink dog that just fights with you. Awesome. Then you get then you get like a scarecrow man who I'm like, I don't even know what the, where the hell this guy came from or how he's around, but he's just there with me. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it has weakness in that department is you don't get a lot from the characters. They just kind of feel like random characters that are with you. Mm. So I don't know if that'll change, but there's like, I want to say there's like 20 party members or something you can get, but you can miss a lot of them on the choices you make in this game. Like there was a part in the game where I could recruit three different people, but whoever I chose, I wouldn't get the other two until the next playthrough. So there's definitely moments where you can make choices and depending on what you do, you won't get this party member or they might not join you at this part, which is pretty interesting. Um, Brad, so I have not played Chrono Cross in, in forever, uh, but 
I recently played through, well, not that recently, but not too long ago, I played through Suicoden 1 mm-hmm. and 2. And uh, that is also, you know, a series very famous for having a lot of yeah. characters that you can recruit. And I thought it kind of did a nice balance between characters that were more in-depth and you got to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with. And kind of just, like, goofy characters that don't really add a lot in yeah, terms there's of like a f- story. Yeah. But I, I still appreciated that they were there. Yeah. Do you kind of feel that way with Chrono Cross? So, yeah, there's definitely, like a few characters that the story seems like they feel like you're more standard JRPG characters that are kind of more involved in the main narrative or there, but there's like, I have, I have a luchador with me. Cool. And like, that is cool. I met him and I got him like 30 seconds later and he's just part of my team. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you're here now. That's cool. Like whatever. Never let him go. But yeah, there's like this character named kid who's like, she's much more involved in the story. Mm. So you have party members like that, but yeah. It, like uh, the, she's the blonde yeah, haired girl. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But there's like a lot of weird characters in this game. So I think you would like that, Kyle. So Brad, I tried playing this game in 2010, 2011. And I, th- I think I remember bailing because of the combat system. So dude, the combat is so confusing. Yeah. And how it works. The game. So I don't know if when you got through, I haven't looked, I have the like the physical, I haven't looked at the manual if it explains combat more, but it doesn't really teach you how things work in the game, like how attacks work, how there's like elemental colors that everyone has and certain spells have different colors. Like they, certain colors are better against other colors. They don't really explain it too well. So a lot of it was me fumbling around, figuring out stuff. And I was just like, man, I don't understand how to use this specific thing. So I had to look up a video of how to play this, like some understand the combat better. And a lot of the people who were there were just kind of like, yeah, I didn't, I really didn't get it either, but you essentially have a certain amount of attacks you could do per turn. So you have one, two, three, one is like less damage, two is higher than three is the highest, but they all have hit percentages. And if you hit with one, the percentage goes up. So you can That's do like right. four, I remember two, this now. three, yes. and like your percentage will go up. But if, an enemy attacks during your combo or like whatever you're picking moves, it drops back down. So you're like, okay, well now I got to use this move. And as you attack, you get like magic levels that level up and to use certain spells, you have to have a certain high level, like level two to use this spell. But once you use a spell, you go, it like uses six turns of you. So you go, or seven. So if you have seven attacks, seven points you could spend attacking, you use a spell, it goes down to zero. So magic is like a super intense thing to, to do it like it takes away a lot from you but it can obviously be devastating against foes and you have to not get hit for seven turns in a row no so like when you hit you have your party members so you have three people in your party when a person on your party attacks and they hit something a point goes up for everybody oh okay so if like you're at zero with another character and you hit with like your main character's name surge he'll get a po- or he'll take away a point but your other two primers will get points so you'd be like, okay, I just want to defend with this turn with this character, but I'll build up points by using physical attacks with another character. It's like a now. really weird, strange, and death combat system that's super unique that I like, but it's very confusing right off the bat, and you definitely have to invest time to figuring it out. I was actually just annoyed with it. I think I was yeah, just I so could, accustomed to just dude, doing any I could, move I wanted to whenever I wanted to. I could totally see that. It's super yeah. complicated and not explained well. And what's what's so sucky about that is... You know, it's following Chrono Trigger's lineage, mm-hmm. and then they just come up with the just 
maybe it is interesting, but to me, like the worst turn-based battle system. Yeah, I totally could. Coming I from could Chrono totally Trigger, see dude. that. Yeah, yeah, Chrono Trigger is like very straightforward, but awesome, and it works really well. Chrono Cross like made it super complicated, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes I, I feel like with Square, and they, I think sometimes the the lineage gets to them, and they're like, well, if we're gonna follow this up. You know, it has to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, like I've I've gotten that with different Square Enix projects, where sometimes I feel like they they overcomplicate things or convolute things just because of like how much fans love it mm-hmm. in a way. And I'm I'm kind of grateful that like Final Fantasy VII remake doesn't feel that way so far. Right. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll see it's it, dude. Yeah, I've played a lot of JRPGs in my life, and it's definitely one of the most confusing battle systems to understand. Mm. Damn. Uh, did you feel like... So, two two questions. The first, after kind of using those outside resources, did you feel comfortable with I definitely system? have a much better understanding. I'm still learning things and, like, how it's... Inter- like, because some stuff gets introduced that makes it even more complicated. So, like, I'm learning to adapt all these things. It's definitely one of, like, the longest combat systems it's taken me a while to get comfortable with, though. Um, And I, I feel like I've kind of... A thing that, as I get older, I appreciate more in games is I am okay with being confused mm-hmm. if it is fun learning and if it's rewarding, like, applying those lessons. Yeah. So it's like, I'm okay being completely in the dark as long as, like, I have fun fighting to understand this thing. Yeah, I definitely, I like it, but I could see why people, a lot of people don't like it. And I w- It's not something I would want in a lot of other games. It's something I could deal I with every now and then. But, like, gotcha. I am enjoying it. I'm thinking about it differently. Like, I'm thinking about combat a lot differently than I usually do, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's super crazy. But, like, Kyle, like, you talking about, like, I could understand 100% why you build. Yeah. Totally get it. Uh, I loved the backgrounds, man. I love how this game Dude, looks. It's just... I've, so- constantly in this game, I'm thinking about how nice, like, the, like the pre-rendered backgrounds look. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks so good. The music in the game is insanely good. Like, wow, lives up with Guys, Chrono Trigger. I, I miss pre, I miss pre-rendered backgrounds. Man, it, they look real good in this game. They look awesome, and like just the world map looks cool too. You walking on it, it's good stuff. Um, so Brett, I, I feel like for almost completely not for completely different reasons, but I, I started Persona Five Royal, and I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, obviously, and I feel like both of these games. <clears throat> you know, outside of, like, some minor nitpicks, have very good flows mm-hmm. to them. Like, I, I think, as I was streaming Persona 5, I was like, man, the quality of the presentation and, like, the quality of this music is making it easy to want to play a lot of this. Um, and with Final Fantasy VII, you have those elements, but also just, like, I want to do more quests, I want to level up more materia, all that stuff. So they have good hooks. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way in Chrono Cross? Like, do you feel a good flow where you really want to keep playing? So I do enjoy the story. I'm enjoying going through the environments. There's definitely, the flow's different because some of the bosses I fight, like, I'll wipe that just because I don't have the right preparation for the fight. Like, I didn't have the right things equipped. I did, like, if I had knowledge beforehand, I might have been able to adapt better. But Mm. I'm kind of okay with it right now because it's been a long time for a game that's really done that to me, especially an RPG. But yeah, I do enjoy the flow of the game. I think the world itself is super interesting. And that ties in because just the pre-rendered backgrounds are so nice to look at. And the music's so great. 
the combat system super interesting and different. But I mean, to me, it's not Chrono Trigger. If you're playing this game and expecting the Chrono Trigger like sequel to give you that same vibe as Chrono Trigger, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like its own kind of thing. But I think it's still really enjoyable. Hmm. But like, sure. it definitely has barriers and hurdles, I think, that are harder to get over than most JRPGs. Uh, not not in everything. I don't think it's uh, quite as wild as Chrono Cross, but I think talking about the Bravely Default 2 demo, Oh yeah, Brad, I will, I will echo kind of a lot of what you're saying about Chrono Cross and kind of just our, our, our talk about RPGs in general a little bit. So I finally played... <laughs> Uh, the Brave of the Default 2 demo. And Kyle, I knew, I know you played it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how else to kind of sum up my experience with the demo other than RPG comfort food. Like, almost intentionally so. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with the presentation, with what the story is about, with how the characters are presented, with how it presents side quests and battles and its job system and all this stuff. It's like, it's almost like hey, we know you like this stuff, and so we're going to lean into it super hard is kind of what it feels like. Um, and other projects that these people have been associated with, Brave the Default, one, for example, an Octopath Traveler, have kind of given off a similar vibe. Uh, would you say that's a fair assessment, Kyle? Yeah, um, and it was what made Bravely Default on 3DS so exciting. And what's mm-hmm. so weird is I find I don't have that forgiveness as a Switch title. For me, mm-hmm. the platform has changed how I perceive this game completely. For instance, I, uh, the ahead. extreme fast forward speed of the combat system, right? Yeah. That exists uh, in Bravely Default on 3DS, but it also exists in like the, the re-releases of Final Fantasy VII's 8 and 9, right? They're just like, okay, you can speed this up. If you're making your new game like that, <laughs> where where you have a fast forward button for your combat system, I think that suggests something's wrong with your combat system, right? Mm. I, I, th- I don't know that I agree with that in this case. I see I see what you're getting at, and I think a lot of times you'd be right, but I think, I think the job system and how they present the job system and the flexibility they give you with it, that fast forwarding makes a lot more sense. I think if these characters are kind of locked into their positions, I hear what you're saying. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I agree with that in this. So Ben, I also like the idea of giving, having the choice as well, if you want. So the way I interpret that though, is that the game is meant to be grinded, right? Yes. I definitely think it is meant to be grinded. You're meant to switch up your characters. You're meant to grind them through this, uh, class so that they have these abilities. And then you're meant to grind them through a new class and a new class. And so I, I kind of dislike that the the game is about its combat system first and foremost yes it's not about its story you don't care about four crystals you don't really care about these four characters too much uh at least from the demo um the town is just another rpg town and the overworld is another rpg overworld it's really like its defining factor is the combat system and i mean it's named after its combat system right it's the namesake so i guess maybe that's the point Mm -hmm. um it's just not the thing that i'm most interested in when i step into an rpg yeah, yeah, Kyle, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I think a lot of what you're saying is true. I think, like, the side quests in this game that we're given in the demo, right, are literally go kill some wolves, 
to get X number of wolf pelts, go kill some snakes to get X number of venom vials, Mm -hmm. bring them back. Like, it is... It is almost like intentionally and painfully generic mm-hmm. in a lot of its presentation. Um, and I think if you are somebody who doesn't really get into or love RPG combat, right? Like you said, that's not a reason that you're there. I, I totally, 100% think you're right. I really like it though. And I think it makes some fair compromises where if you do like seeing the numbers go up, you do like experimenting with jobs and abilities. It's kind of like a heaven for you Mm -hmm. like if that's what you get most excited about it does wonders and i think along with that i think the boss fights really push you right especially in the demo and they mentioned in the demo that things are going to be tuned a little bit harder but even in just like the main story boss fight you really have to stretch what your characters can do you have to demonstrate a proficiency with the different jobs and how they mix together and what prioritizes what and when to brave and when to default and it's like, oh man, I feel like I'm being really rewarded and really challenged. And I love how different job abilities stack with each other and how you have different options where it's like, okay, I can only have two jobs for this character. And both of these sub jobs feel like they make sense for the main job. So what I want to do. So I feel like there's a lot of room for player expression and creativity and just trying things out. And I think what makes that work is you level up the jobs really, really fast. So the max job level you can get in the demo is seven. Mm -hmm. And you can get there pretty quickly, especially if you have things on max speed. You know, it doesn't take that long to get there and experiment. So you still have to work for it a little bit, but it's not like this huge pain in the Mm -hmm. ass to max out a job in the demo and play around with everything. Don't know what it's going to be like in the full game, obviously, but I think if they keep kind of that same mentality, it's going to be a lot of fun mixing and matching main jobs and sub jobs and and passive abilities and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's stuff. Ben, I was just thinking about this last night. Some yeah. things just irritate me for a, a long time afterward and then I don't really realize it until I think out the thought. So um, with this final boss in the demo, which yeah, fair enough, I was warned. I, I wanted to have a team of four monks. I thought that would be a fun yes. novelty, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In this game with limitless opportunities, how fun would it be to have four monks? Um, I was level 15 coming into that boss final boss fight and you know I actually didn't get wiped it was I was sustaining myself but I was not doing more damage than he was healing the the enemy heals himself yeah. and so like I couldn't possibly win all, all it was it was a battle of attrition so I just grinded until level 20 and then the four monks beat him easily and what really mm-hmm. made me mad Ben when I was thinking about this was that the poison did more damage when they were higher level than it did when they were lower lower level. This idea that this guy, uh, the poison they, is hurting him worse because we're higher right. level is like, what? Come on. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... It's definitely a classic JRPG in the sense that it is very numbers-based. Like, everything comes down to numbers. Right. So when I was level 20, I could just uh, straight attack. No, that I did poison him. Yeah. And now coming to think of it, maybe it was 500 damage every time the poison. So not really relevant to the conversation. But the the thing that is, is that when I was level 15, I had no chance with my party. And then when I was level 20, it was a very easy fight of just going straight attack the whole time. And so yeah. I'm... I'm not buying into the systems you know what i mean i'm not buying into mm. the the dynamics of the system as much as i am uh the numbers game as you call it mm. uh, just hey if you're high level you got it if you're low level figure it out and it's just like 
The, the, what's interesting, Kyle, is I was like 19 or 20 when I fought that, that thief boss as yeah. well. And I do think it is by and large a numbers game, but like 20 was the max you can go. Right. And I didn't feel like it was a pushover. Like, I don't feel like I could have just done anything and got through it. Like, I still had to have some sort of strategy going into that. You should have seen and the so four I think that's monks, what man. <laughs> I need to see. I need to see your four monks footage. Yeah. Op build, yeah. dude. Yeah. I did find the monks very, very strong though. Like my monk was a monk vanguard, and he was doing just insane critical damage. Like he was definitely my big damage dealer, and magic is very good too. Kyle. A lot of what you're saying I can't disagree with, and I think you kind of alluded to it. The novelty of the original Bravely Default was the throwback kind of felt a little bit more novel at the time, mm-hmm. and I think it does less now. Yeah. Like, a lot of the ideas that it's presenting, right? This Brave and Default system is not new at all, right? Right. Uh, this will be, you know, the, what was it? X number of the, games that has used this kind of system. The fourth game, I think? Uh, well, let's see. we got Bravely Default, Bravely Second. You have Octopath Traveler, which uses a very similar idea. Um, and then you have this. So I, I do think some of the novelty is gone. But I think even fully acknowledging those criticisms, Kyle, that you had, and I think they're very valid criticisms, I just had a good time. Sure. Like, I just dumped three and a half hours into it. And I think that's it. undebatable. And, yeah. That's like, if you had fun with the game, then I think it has an innate quality. I think it's also one of those games where you probably know if you like it or not. Yeah. Like, I think I think if you enjoy playing the numbers game in, in RPGs, you'll probably get more out of it. You know, if somebody came to me, like like you said, and they're like, I care most about story in RPGs, this is not what I would recommend. And what's funny, Ben, is... Uh, so I'd recently played the Trials of Mana demo as well, and mm-hmm. that combat system is dumb as nails. Um, and... Story, I wouldn't say is complicated, right? Story isn't particularly unique or interesting, but love that demo and pre-ordered immediately when it prompted me to upon finishing that demo. <laughs> um, and I think part of it is just for me personally, right? We all like these different things. This third-person perspective, exploring environments, is just something I truly enjoy. It's right, like yeah. why I like Seven Remake so much. Just this idea of, hey, if I go down those stairs, am I going to find a cool secret? And the game's like, yeah, dude, I got you. And Seven right. is all about that. Seven is going to reward you for going into nooks constantly. Uh, Trials is kind of the same way. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm walking around a JPEG in Braley Default. Here. <laughs> no, I, Kyle, I, I think you, you talking about like kind of what you value really plays into this conversation so much because the discovery in Braley Default 2 is, is almost non existent. Like you'll be in the, the world map or you'll be in a dungeon and it's just like there's the chest right there you could see it there's not really any and again it's just a demo Mm -hmm. right uh could change in the main game but i i I felt that way about brave the default as well um there is there is not that same sense of exploration whereas even i feel like final Fantasy 7 remake is doing a lot more to get you excited about walking around like this is really just kind of the combat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it i do think the look is charming but not that charm isn't especially deep i gotta say one thing that really annoyed me in final fantasy 7 remake is you can't turn off and maybe you can maybe you can you all can tell me uh the marker the compass on top of the screen uh i don't know 
Because there'd be question. intense story moments where it's like, your objective is this way. And yeah. Like, Buddy, not now. Yeah, but I don't know. It's good I point. tried to turn it off as best as I could. Um, but what I conversely, what I do like about that is you can see on the map where there's going to be a secret. You're touching mm-hmm. that touchpad button and you're like, okay, there's a secret over there. And so, I mean, the environments look dense. They look intimidating, but there are ways to find where the cool things are. It's, it's easy to explore Final Fantasy VII Remake, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, just to go back to the Trials of Mana remake, yeah. I, I still think something that is very impressive about that game that, like, you talked about the story being, like, not that wild and the combat being very simple, uh, but just the idea of all of these different characters have their own stories, and you you get to choose which stories you take on and how you engage with them. That's still unique today. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's still unique today, and I still think that's very cool. And so, like, sometimes it doesn't take much. Sometimes it just mm-hmm. takes kind of that one unique idea. Uh, Kyle, you did get us caught in a frame trap. Oh, oh, it's always shit. me. It's always me. And it was right at the. It was right at the last minute. <sighs> was the touchpad? Button. Oh man, I thought it was gonna be JPEG. <laughs> No, they're big fans yeah, of okay. It's PNG they hate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, it's fun talking about RPGs with you guys. Uh, so we're going to do that for this Cotton Franchise. Nice. Kind of. Uh, we're going to do a tier list. This is going to be a cooperative. A tier list? Oh, we're gonna do a tier yes. List. We're gonna do yes. A tier list. Here's what I'm we're going to so do. I'm so excited. Get upset, viewers. Uh, so let me before I tell you what we're ranking, let me give you the tier list categories. It's very standard. So the ratings are S, which is obviously the mm-hmm. top, A, B, C, D, and F. F okay? tier. You are not obligated to use all of yeah. them. You know, if you want to put everybody in S for whatever reason, that's fine. We're gonna rank the core cast of Final Fantasy VII. Oh. I'm going to give you nine names, and we are going to rank these. Well, names. I already know some that Kyle doesn't like. So, so. I got, yeah, I got to ask for a timeout already. Then, are you going to yeah. name some of the characters who are not in the remake? Yes. And then for characters who are in the remake, do we consider their modern version, or do we talk about strictly the old version? We are, we are strictly to put everybody on an even okay. playing field. All right, I we think are, that's we fair. are not considering. Anything outside of the original Final Fantasy yeah. VII. We're not considering Advent Children. We're not considering Crisis Core. We're not considering Dirge of Cerberus. We're not considering Remake. So it's just the OG Final Fantasy Because I would say, I would say are... Remake gives everyone at least a one-tier boost. At sure. least. Sure. Yeah, it's cheating. Yep. Jesse S. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Dude, she went up like five tiers. Yeah. <laughs> she went up like, yeah. Yeah, she did. She went up a lot of tiers. <laughs> I just want to say, if you are playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time and you don't want to hear about some of these characters or whatever, please skip over this part. There are timestamps in the description of the video or the podcast that you are listening to, uh, so use that. But I'm going to give you these nine names without further ado. Cloud Strife, Tifa Lockhart, Aerith Gainsborough, Sid Highway, Highwind. Barrett Wallace... High wind. I don't. I had highway wind written down. High That's wind. very funny. Of course, it's high wind. <laughs> Sid highway. It is a highway. <laughs> yeah, Sid highway. It sounded wrong as soon as I said it. <laughs> Sid highway. Barrett Wallace, Ketchy, Vincent Valentine, uh, Yuffie Kisagari, and Red Thirteen. Okay. Nanaki. What'd you Nanaki. say? That's his real name. Sure. <laughs> We're getting real here. specific here. <laughs> yeah, glasses up. 
Um, Sid Highway. Goddamn. Okay, I'll start. Cloud for me is S tier. I think he's one of the best like Japanese role playing protagonists of all time. His character arc, which I will not spoil, takes you unexpected to areas, and he has real growth in that game. So, Brad, something you said, I think allows him to be an S tier is that he is a protagonist and so he has to carry a lot of the story's weight. He does. And so why wouldn't normally rank him as S tier? I think as a protagonist and the story right. revolves around him heavily. Yeah, and comparing every like all the other protagonists of all other RPGs. He I think he's a gold standard. I I'd I'll allow mm-hmm. S tier for Cloud. Um while I don't think every character kind of revolves around him i think the the most essential characters the way that they interact with him and kind of revolve around him is is very very interesting yeah uh she f tier cloud is an s <laughs> i don't sorry, I feel Reed. like that tier is made for him sorry reed yeah yeah I'll, I'll, Kyle, cool when i was making this list i was like i know Ketchy. this is, is a hard mystery because yeah. i love all these characters but i can understand why people do not like that character yeah definitely my least favorite though He's my least favorite of this list. Um, all right, let's get some easy ones out of the way. In my opinion, and I could—I feel like I can make an argument for all three of these characters. Mm-hmm. I think all three of these characters are S-tier. Tifa, Aerith, Barrett. I think they're all S-tier. We, got, we can't put all... We can't have four characters in S-tier. This is an S-tier game, Kyle. <laughs> I feel like not all of this. Like, I don't know. When I think about Barrett. I don't think about he's as good of as a character as Cloud. I feel like I I do love Barrett. I think he's a very important character story. To me, he's like a. So yeah. here's what bumps Barrett to S to me. His story with Dine is one of my favorite parts of Final. Fantasy. Yeah, it's awesome. But I feel like after that point, it kind of just falls off. Like any of his development. Sure. But mm-hmm. I, like at the same time, I, it's not needed. Like I don't feel like it's I, needed, but that's it kind of thing it does but i feel like that is kind of a concession of we have character plots which revolve much more quickly and overall plots which extend the course of the game mm-hmm. right so not every character right is going to have as long of a story throughout this yeah. rpg as like cloud does for instance but that's what s tier is for i i think a tier is 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 high praise for somebody like barrett who I think Brad is right. It just kind of falls off by the end. Sure, he's he's sure. kind of just I here for support can... by the end. Sure. Okay. Like the whole thing with Cloud and S-Tier to me has been is obviously his story throughout the whole game and like his growth. And I think just how much he's evolved. Like I don't necessarily just rate his character like as who he is, but like the aesthetics, the things you get with all of them. I think that's an important fact too. And I think Cloud is just the best. Listen, listen. I'm taking an Ian Hink approach here, and it's working out beautifully for me. So Ian talked about when he would review a game, he would score it way higher because he knew Blood was going to knock it mm-hmm. down. He's going to yeah. be like, "That's what I wanted." Yeah. Sure. You know what? Barrett being a tier, me getting to talk about the Dine storyline. I love the Dine storyline. It's great. So, so now I have to knock down Tifa and Aerith together. Okay, so I, I think both are are fantastic. I think. Cloud, you, you know, we're talking about that S tier cloud development. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be nearly as interesting were it not for T. For sure. I also think, Aer- you know, we talked about characters dropping off. Mm-hmm. Aerith kind of keeps coming up and mm-hmm. has the most defining moment of the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm not against Tifa being S tier for sure. Here's why I'm against Tifa being S tier is uh, the slot machine limit break. Oh, the Yaz. Yeah. Ben, do we That's get to... such a funny thing to bring up. Do we get to account for limit breaks? Absolutely. That's yeah, so, so funny. Breaks are very you can't crucial. be an S tier with a slot machine limit break. I'm, I'm, I can't allow it. Okay, so especially because A because of the slot machine limit yeah. break. Kate Sith kind of has one too. Yeah, dude. like an oh. RNG gambling element to already. Yeah, he's already an F. <laughs> oh, sorry, Reeve, dude. Um, so Barrett and Tifa and A, do we make Aerith S? Yeah, you made the case, and I, I think absolutely she, yeah, agree. Yeah, she is iconic. Yeah. Boy, this is no slot machines, dude. So Vincent's interesting. Vincent's got a great design, and I love just his guns. I love just having dude. guns. Some really cool weapon. limit breaks. Yeah, really cool. turns into different monsters. Yeah, and it's cool to unlock him. Just the process you have to yes. go through mm-hmm. to actually get him into your party. Yes. yes, how sick. Yes, how sick is the fact that he's completely optional. Yeah. And he feels like a cool optional right. character. And I feel like that's as good as he can. B tier is as good as he can get with his story. With, with his role his, in the game. Yeah, with his role. Like, he's tied into some of the narrative, but it's more of like the background narrative, more... It's not like Cloud. It's like more like Lucrezia and Hojo and all that stuff, which is really sick and like his past, yeah. but I see where you're coming from. Um, yes, I think Vincent is... I think I think you're right. I think along those lines, Yuffie is also BT. Sure. Also also optional. Sorry, Kyle's kind of upset. <laughs> Yuffie, Yuffie could be C-tier. <laughs> I I really like I really like Yuffie. I know Yuffie definitely has her haters, mm-hmm. but I love Yuffie. I like the fact that she is kind of this like chaotic force that you run into on the world map mm-hmm. and is kind of this trickster. Steals your materia. But doesn't that's not it, right? Like she's not just kind of like this goofball. She is motivated. She's totally connected into Wu Tai. She's kind of like the face of that whole side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think her implementation, the kind of mischievousness, and the fact that she has more depth than maybe you expect, are, are what I would say for people. Okay, I do like Ninja as a class. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think she's also a great character design. All right. But no higher than B tier. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I've been that's thinking fine. about Sid, and I actually think he might be D tier. I actually really like Sid. I would want a C tier for Sid. Okay. It's weird because I love I well I don't love I like Sid, but I he just is kind of likable. But I I can't really go to bat for him as a yeah. So he's a C tier baby. Aggressive. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand why he's a dragoon. They don't seem related at all. And to me, Brad, his part of the game feels like it could have been a chapter, and then you could say goodbye to him. Well, you gotta you, you, you do the comeback later, baby. <laughs> you get the payoff. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's like that's tied into the story. That whole part. Yeah. Yeah. Stop that meteor, Kyle. Yeah. But it could have just been a guy you say bye to. Bye. Sure. I just think he's. I like that he's a dragoon, and mm-hmm. I think that's sick. And I kind of like his like. His attitude, his angry attitude, I think it's a nice fit with the group. Okay. 
because Sid's kind of like a shithead. Yeah, he is a lovable shithead. Like, I love him. Yeah, I feel like so much about him can just be kind of described as lovable shithead. Are we okay with Sid here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been as pissed at myself for a mistake in Sid Highway. He's not one step ahead of Ketchy. Like, he's at least two tiers higher than him. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, if you compare him to Ketchy, sure. Uh... All right, so we have one actually more character left. Nanaki. Ooh, I, yeah. I, yeah, I have some pretty strong Oh, let's go. Let's hear it. Ooh, okay. Let's hear it. I think, I think, I think Red 13 is A tier. I could see B. I could see B, but I think B would be ben, the lowest that we Red go. 13 was a permanent party member in my first playthrough because he's a sick ass dog. That fights with you. How rad is that? One with the, like one I eye. Think he is, yes, but it's not. He's also he's rad from from that level for sure. I also think he has one of the most emotional stories in the game. And I oh think my god, dude! When yeah, he's he's kind of the centerpiece for understanding what's going on with the planet. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he's kind of the face of that whole side of the storyline. Mm. Love him. Yeah, you know what, Ben? I'll allow it. A-tier? Yeah, it's it's just cool to have that thing in your party. He's just he's yeah. just awesome, dude. Yeah, he is just awesome as well. I think that's fair. All right, that's gonna do it. I think that's everybody. Let me count. Yeah, that's everybody. Okay, so this is our official Easy <laughs> Allies Final Fantasy character tier list. In S tier, we have Cloud and Aerith. In A tier, we have Barrett, Tifa, and Red 13. B tier, we have Vincent and Yuffie. C, we have Sid. And F, we have Ketchy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big gap there. It's a big gap. That's an intentional yeah. gap. I'm pretty happy with that list. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are going to do some some shout outs but i you you are both going to be responsible for breaking us out of the frame okay mm-hmm. please do it in a final fantasy 7 themed way um how are we going to do shout outs this time i actually did not think about this beforehand uh you know what we're going to have a sensual shout out sensual session. okay whoa so I'm going to bounce between you guys, mm-hmm. and I want you uh, to say shout out, and I want you to look at the camera, and I want you to wink. Oh, okay. okay but like, really sensual. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, good winks. Sure. Some of the best winks I've seen in the game. How are the faces, Kyle? Great faces. Too. The faces <laughs> well, are the primary characters, great faces. Right, yeah, great faces yeah. on yeah. the main cast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Our shout-outs are Blue, Kyle Bossman. Shout-out. Caleb, Togi, Crawford, Brad. Shout-out. L. Thanis, Kyle. Shout-out. <laughs> Greg, the Dark Knight, Kettering, Brad. Shout-out, Greg. Our last one, Kyle. Jesse Blue. Jesse Blue, shout out. That was the Tifa impression? Yeah, that was the Tifa <laughs> impression, yep. All right. Uh, have you guys decided how you're going to break us out of this frame trap? 
Brad, I like when uh, the characters do a summon. They do like an, a very elaborate pose. Yeah. So I feel like we should do our own summon poses. Okay. Okay. I feel like that was as much a like Power Rangers common writer breakout as it was Final Fantasy. Yeah. And I'm totally okay yeah. with it. Yeah. Not against it. The inspiration Not is clear. <laughs> the inspiration. I can't wait to see Cat She summon something in the future. What that's going to be. my like. party, dude. I'm going to do it. I'm going to send you a video. No matter where we are in the world. <laughs> I hope as punishment for our sins in whatever part he ends up showing up in, I hope there's like a 10 hour, like catchy solo party. Mandatory. But it's just like a visual novel. It just turns out to be the sickest shit ever. Like it's just awesome. So it just makes us bitter. Yeah. Like Like we're doing really cool things, but it's as that character. Reeve is like a tortured soul, dude. Like he had to murder someone as catchy and he's like dealing with it. Fine. He's F plus. Like, Ooh. him strangling something as the robot to death. That's what I want. And him, like, crying at his desk doing it. Dude, Brad, you're speaking to me right now. Yeah. Like, him having to make a kill that's hard. Yeah. F plus, F baby. plus. Then he'll... No, he's D tier. <laughs> when you're strangling something to death yeah. and crying about it, D tier. <laughs> One tier Killing somebody yeah. gets you up to D tier. Yeah. How fantastic. Um, you know, we really only have... One more thing, technically two more things to talk about. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this. So Resident Evil 3 Remake put me in a Resident Evil mood that has been hard. Uh, interrupted by Final Fantasy VII Remake because, of course, it's going to interrupt everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> I played through... I played before, but not all the way through uh, Resident Evil. And I kind of want to make sure that I finish every mainline Resident mm-hmm. Evil. So I played through all of Resident Evil Zero, And uh, I am pretty deep into Code Veronica. I'm in the, I feel like I'm deep anyway, the Antarctic base Mm -hmm. in Code Veronica. And playing these two games back-to-back has been interesting. Um, My quick summation of Resident Evil Zero, it's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad game that I ended up enjoying in spite of itself. I think the inventory management of that game just, like, drags it down so bad. It's, okay... So my I've played that game and I remember it being okay, but I literally don't remember anything about it. It is super forgettable. I remember Billy into it. Billy sucks. Like, who gives a shit about Billy? That's what kind of what that game feels like. It like ties stuff in, but it feels super forgetful or forgettable. Filler. Yeah, that it, game's filler. It, it, it like it's cool because it ties into one in some of that stuff, but yeah. It's it's technically not filler, but the way in which it makes itself important feels very shoulder shruggy. Like it, it kind of feels like it exists to be the first point on a timeline, but it's not it's not a cool point. It's just yeah. like, oh I guess this was the first thing that happened. Yeah. Neat. Um, cool start though. Very cool start. The train is the train is actually fantastic. Yeah. We can get into this. So I think the reason why I like Resident Evil Zero in spite of itself is it feels like it's a game that has good ideas. Mm-hmm. It just executed on those ideas badly. Right. I think the idea of let's drop items wherever you want um, was to kind of help 
alleviate the annoyance of an item box where you're like, well, I don't want to get rid of this thing, mm-hmm. but I don't have an item box nearby. And Resident Evil Zero is like, well, you can just drop it anywhere. The problem is that ends up creating way more hassle for you than an item box actually does, where you're like, okay, I have these universal item boxes. I can just go to, you know, one of however many are around me, and I put something in there. I don't have to go all the way back into that specific room Mm -hmm. just to get that thing. Um, And so that's really annoying. And I think the two-character thing is really interesting. So you mentioned Billy being forgettable, and he is, but I think Billy's actually kind of a cool character, but he just has no... He feels like he has, like, no place in that game, though. Like, his, exactly. his backstory is so weird. Yes. Like, it, it feels like he has no lasting consequence yeah. on Resident Evil at Zero, all. yeah. And, like, he's kind of doing his own personal thing, but... Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's kind of, like, a completely inconsequential character. I do think he's kind of likable, though. Mm. I like... How his relationship with Rebecca builds over time—it's not—it's not amazing, but uh, yeah, his individual story is ultimately worthless. Um, so in Resident Evil, right, like Resident Evil One, for instance, you have these two different characters who are supposed to be very different, right? Chris can take more damage, but he's for your inventory. Uh, Jill can um, has a lockpick, which is very convenient. It feels like they're trying to take that idea and being like, "What if you could deal with both of those characters at mm-hmm. once?" Right? So. Rebecca can't take as much damage, but she can mix herbs, whereas Billy can't mix herbs, but he can take a lot more damage, and he's a lighter, which is kind of not useful outside of very specific circumstances. And so I I kind of like that idea um, of dealing with multiple people who have very specific skill sets at the same time, and how are you going to bounce between them to deal with them? The problem is... It just ends up being a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like when you're with when you're Billy, it's just like it they're not fun problems to solve. They could have made the problems interesting. Like I think there's a way to design this where the split between the two is good, but the problems that you're solving just feel like you're doing your taxes. Where it's like, Alright, game, you're giving me a ton of herbs and I'm playing as Billy. Like, this isn't fun to solve. I just have to go get Rebecca bring her here she can mix the herbs like that's not interesting i don't feel like i'm having to make a fun choice um whereas i think like i've also been playing a little bit of resident evil outbreak you get like eight characters i think to choose Mm -hmm. from and they are extremely defined where it's like this person is good at this one specific thing and it's kind of being like oh what who do i want to use on this mission like those limitations are actually interesting without being too annoying i feel like Whereas Resident Evil Zero is just annoying. Also has maybe the worst boss fight I've ever done in a Resident Evil game. Brad, do you remember the giant bat? Kind that of, yeah. summons a bunch of little kind bats. Kind of, yeah. That thing is just bad. <laughs> That's just a bad yeah, fight yeah, yeah. that the aiming system does not just, feel like it is up to stuff yeah. for. Resident Evil Zero is just kind of a forgettable game to me. Like, it doesn't. it definitely didn't stick with me. It's frustrating because there are times where it kind of works. Like, the final boss fight is really cool, I feel like. Um, The very, very, very final thing you do is there's this giant Leech Queen monster, and it's weak to sunlight. Oh, the leeches. I forgot. Yeah, the leeches. The the leeches and the leech mimic monsters are really annoying. Does have the monkeys in In it? Kind of a cool one. Yeah, the monkeys are awful, too. (laughs) They're called the Eliminators. And again, they they feel like they move faster than, like... 
the aiming system allows you to efficiently deal with. But um, the Leech Queen, yeah. Uh, so as Rebecca, Rebecca has to go around to all of these different like s- cranks and turn the cranks to open up the door so the sunlight comes in and you destroy this thing. And it actually feels like it's using the two-person dynamic pretty mm-hmm. well, where it's like, okay, I have to be aware of this other character and protect them while using this guy while using Billy. And I wish there were more instances in Resident Evil Zero where I felt that synergy. Um, Bad game. Not recommended. I remember box pushing. (laughs) We're pushing boxes in it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, there's box pushing. Um, The eliminators are really annoying. Yeah. The train is... The train! Let's go back to the train. The reason why the train is so good, Brad, is because... The train is just a straight line, pretty mm-hmm. much, right? Like, the a lot of the annoyances that you have to deal with, when you're in such a small space, they're a lot less annoying because it feels like the train is designed around these two people. You don't have to cover as much ground. There's not as much space to work with. And I think they could have designed the game more like that to yeah. kind of work around don't, the pain. You, like, stuff. send one of them on the roof or something of the train? One of them has to, like... Hang around by the controls while another runs okay. off. Okay. Oh, yeah. And you have a timer that you have yeah. to deal with. Okay. It's kind of tense and mm-hmm. exciting. I, I kind of like that part. Uh, but Code Veronica, I feel like is a really, really good game that is super rough now. Like, time has yeah, not treated it well. Yeah, it's a Dreamcast well. game. <laughs> Dreamcast game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it is ripe for remaking. Oh, the yeah. The voice acting and the characters are so bad they're amazing mm-hmm. like i'm having a great time mm-hmm. with them um and that game kind of takes the resident evil item gathering to the extreme where it's like you have to go and get this thing and then look at this thing and then pull it out and then this unlocks this other thing and then you have to go all the way to this other building mm-hmm. and then you'll get an item and then you have to go all the way over here and it's it's kind of a pain in the ass like if you don't know what you're doing in code veronica it's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's a pain in the ass that feels carefully constructed. Like, the enemy density, the difficulty of the enemies, and how much ammo they give you feel really well considered. Mm-hmm. And the differences between the weapons are really, really, really cool. Like, you get a bow gun, and you get a shit ton of bows, but it doesn't stagger enemies the same way as a handgun does. And trying to figure out what to use in which situation is actually really cool. Mm -hmm. And so I think like the nuts and bolts survival horror elements are are done pretty well in Code Veronica. Yeah, totally. Are you playing X version? Playing X on PS4. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know why that didn't come to PC, but... Yeah. So be it. So be it. Kyle, uh, what is your experience with the older Resident Evil? Only Huber playthroughs. Okay. So has that become like your preferred way to experience Resident yeah. Evil? Only way. Yeah, yeah as I was gonna say, it's probably his only way. Yeah. And so, man, except for the five and six, I think I've seen him play through all of them mm-hmm. on the couch with him. And then obviously three online. Were you there for um, his Coveronica playthrough? Because I know he did one. At yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of that game? I absorbed very little of it, honestly. I remember there being family drama. Yeah, yes, a lot of it's... A lot yeah, of the villains have, have family, family drama. Family. I do yeah, remember that. a lot of brother-sister drama in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wasn't I wasn't way into that, right? It's You want to be focused on, you know, 
these bioweapons and the, right. the companies behind them and not particular individuals who are just plainly evil. Um, but it was interesting to me as the first uh, 3D Resident Evil. Because I think it still has fixed cameras, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. And yes. so it's this kind of weird in between. It's Ben, I think it's nice to play today is just when you look at the chronology of Resident Evil uh, mm -hmm. and just you can kind of appreciate it for where it is in the timeline and see how things slowly evolve. Mm -hmm. Well, rapidly, because RE4 is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I feel like the Eliminators in Resident Evil Zero are kind of like a good idea that the game can't properly support. I don't remember what they're called, but in Code Veronica, you have these really fucking awesome enemies. They've got like these long arms, and they can either grab you and shake your head, or they can actually get you from a pretty long distance. They're almost like stretch Armstrongs, mm -hmm. where they can kind of whip you and they can catch you off guard, but the, it also changes how they move around. So they can, like, you can be walking on a bridge and they can just, you see their little sticky arm come up and hit the bridge and then they flip over and so they can kind of catch you off guard. And they feel like they kind of play by different rules than every other enemy. And I think that's really yeah, awesome that's cool. and, and interesting. <laughs> um, like that a ben lot. You made me think of one of my favorite things in Neo 2 mm, is tell a little cheap death. A little guy who's just been hanging out like under a bridge, basically just kills you. But then every time after that, you know exactly where that little guy is. Yeah. And he's like, and he dies and you just, and you have your vengeance. You have your vengeance 15 times as mm -hmm. you try to keep playing mm -hmm. through this game. And it feels great every time. <laughs> Kyle, I really like it when games let you have your vengeance. Yeah. Like, they kind of know it's going to piss you right. off. These these stretchy arm guys mm -hmm. are kind of that way because when you first encounter them, they take way too many resources to deal with effectively. And so you're like, well, I'll just run by them. And because they have their annoying little stretchy arms, they're going to slap you. They're going to slap <laughs> yeah, you slap around a little yeah. bit. You can't. They got too much range. But then you get these, like, uh, like explosive bolts. You get, like, this powder that you can mix with your crossbow bolts. They just tear through them. Yeah. And you have like, your vengeance. I have, mm -hmm. I have my vengeance. Yeah. I have my vengeance. Yeah. That's so really funny. Weird. It's a thought I would never write down or think that I have, but I love that, man. I love when a video mm. game lets you have vengeance. Yeah. It's very fun. I mean, not even like story-related vengeance, but it's like gameplay-driven vengeance is a true, uh, truly unique, lovable thing about video games that obviously you can't have anywhere else. I think it... It has to be pretty calculated, though, right? Because if they if they build up the vengeance too much, then the release isn't sweet enough. You know what I mean? Like the revenge isn't sweet mm -hmm, enough. Sure. So you gotta you gotta find a balance. Um, Brad, uh, just before we end this conversation, really quick, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I've been playing so much Resident mm -hmm. Evil. It's really made me consider what I value in Resident Evil and what different styles I like and all this stuff. Um, do you? Do you have any strong preferences between like the different styles? You know, the very old school versus uh, the seven versus you know whatever. Like the biggest thing for Resident Evil for me, Ben, is setting. That's mm. the most appealing thing to me about those games. That's one reason why one's my favorite because I just the Spencer Mansion is like my favorite thing ever. I do the love like perfect. I love the old ones, the the fixed camera ones. I do like four a lot. I, I mean, I I like all of them to an extent, but. It's usually the settings that really drives it home for me. Um, 
I've also been playing uh, some Resident Evil 5 because I didn't play Lost in Nightmares and I wanted yeah, to play Lost dude. in Nightmares DLC. And I previously I pretty much only played Resident Evil 5 co-op and I loved it as a co-op experience and myself and others kind of always shit on it at a, as a single player game but playing through it single player I think Resident Evil 5 gets a bad mm. rap. I think that is a much better game than a lot of people get sure for. I think it's I think definitely inferior to playing with someone else. But I sure. think you can get the yeah, you can I get the job with done. That. I'm just saying I think it, it, as a as a whole package yeah. I like yeah. Resident Evil 5. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I like Resident Evil 5 uh, too. Talking about packages, sometimes things come unexpectedly. Like this Hotake. Oh. And it's funny. You know what, Ben? I'm actually relieved. We, There's a lot of ways that sentence could have ended. What are you thinking? Because I'm not sure. You said talking about packages. There's a lot of things that, and it's just like, you know what? I'll take a Hotake. Yeah. You think it was going to be like a comedy rant bit or something? Yeah. I thought, no, I thought Ben was going to go in his his classic genitals rant, rant. Oh, yeah. Yes. My classic, yeah, I got some shit to say about genitals <laughs> on my video game podcast. <laughs> you know what, Kyle? I'm half tempted to make this Hotake now about genitals. Okay. All right. No, uh, it's funny that we were talking about Resident Evil because it was kind of the, the impetus for this otake. Well, not always a fun conversation, but I do think it is relevant right now. I want to talk about uh, price point and dollar value for what you get in a video game. Okay, yeah. There has been a lot of conversation about Resident Evil 3, um, and there's, there's a strong argument that it is grossly overpriced for its length and what you get. Um, not only kind of on its own merits, but in comparison to Resident Evil 2 Remake. Mm -hmm. And I also think this question is especially relevant now where, you know, a lot of people are going through financial hardships, right? Like, uh, this, this pandemic is causing a lot of heartache for people. And so people might have a lot less money. And so they might have to consider, uh, what they're spending their money on more heavily. And so I guess to start off this conversation, what do you think really provides value in a video game and what are you comfortable spending? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's the case by case basis. Like with Resident Evil, I'm super familiar with and a big fan of the franchise. So I'm okay with spending more. Maybe if I'm not someone who's into something or so the thing with Resident Evil 3 is I got a lot of replay value because I played it a lot. But if you're someone who's just going to play through the story once and be done, I think you're going to feel burned. Yeah, it's, oh man. I mean, this is an eternal question, right? But I, I see how it's even more relevant today, Ben, where, you know, you, you your budget is dwindling month by month. Um, obviously for me personally, like it's a weird scenario because I'm able to justify a lot of expenses as business expenses. Like, oh, obviously I have to stream this eventually, or obviously I'll have to talk about this on a podcast. So it's okay that I'm spending $60 on this game. Mm -hmm. um, right. It is, gosh, it's hard to quantify, right? Because uh, there are so many great games that all of us have not played yet that we can get for $15, you know, used or just digitally. Um, but I think there's something exciting and intangible about getting a game new, getting Resident Evil 3 Remake new while it's still exciting and fresh. And that's when, when I'm willing to pull the trigger. Like that newness gets me to buy so many games that I shouldn't buy. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think it's an enthusiasm for video games, maybe generally mm -hmm. just like being part of this world and following everything. Um, like, honestly, I think that's a, that's a general fear of missing out. Yeah. Know, FOMO. That, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's so weird, right? Because like uh, Neo 2 is a great example, right? Uh, it's not a typical game I would buy. It's a $60 game. Uh, I didn't stream it or anything. Um, and, you know, two months later, I would have never bought that game. But it was the weekend it came out. I wasn't mm -hmm. playing a thing. And so I did buy that whole entire game. And obviously, in contrast with RE3, Neo 2 is ridiculously long. Mm -hmm. There's oh, so yeah. much going on there. And so it's not a regrettable expense, really. And so I think that generally what I always recommend, and not to game companies, but to buyers, is consider your $60 lost the second you spend it. You know what I mean? Uh, never say like, oh, I just wasted $60 on this super short game. It's like you waste that money was wasted. It was gone. Um, and you will find that you enjoy it more. I think Capcom, when they were making this game, really thought that resistance would justify the cost. Yeah, that was their answer. Yeah. And I don't know if it does. I think what's, I think what's upsetting though, Kyle, and I, I like resistance to, to a degree. Like there are things that I really like about resistance and I'm, I've gotten more out of it than I was expecting to, but I think Resident Evil 2 Remake, right? And this, again, this kind of talks, ties into the value that they had as original games or whatever, but uh, trying to ignore that and just focus on what Resident Evil 2 gave you in 2019, I think the fact that you had multiple characters that you can play through uh, is a big deal. Yeah. And the fact that you could do for Survivor and tofu both of what like especially for survivor like hunk i think is was really fun for me i had a blast trying to master that and go through that and then like a month later you also got these completely free if i remember correctly uh ghost survivor stories yeah. that are extremely challenging and kind of fun to go mm -hmm. through and so like well individually None of that stuff may be like this gigantic deal on its own. It felt like together it added a yeah, lot it of adds up to the for game. Sure. And also, where I want to add on to that, I think the newness, the excitement added value onto it too. Oh, the, of the intangible yeah. quality of, course, of yeah. Resident Evil 2 Remake made it a right. valuable product. Kyle, I think that's a good point, and I do think that it is playing into perceptions for sure. But I think the thing about Resistance that is not true about all that other stuff is A, it relies on other people. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I was playing Ghost Survivors last night. We may reach a point a year from now where it's like, oh, it's taking, I, like there's no, no one is playing Resistance. I can't enjoy this part Dude, of the game. Dude, three weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go, right? Exactly. It, it already feels like the queues are kind of long. And so I think that's concerning. But I think it's also concerning when it's like, so for Ghost Survivors, for example, you can unlock accessories for doing particular things. And it's like, oh, cool. There's a reward for getting all these collectibles or whatever. In Resistance, it's loot boxes. Yeah. That's just yeah. less fun. Don't you want, like, aren't there fun. more characters to unlock? No, not right now. Oh, there the masterminds. Are, when you, when right? you, are there masterminds that you I don't unlock? know if you unlock them, actually. Hebrews told me of a mastermind that you unlock. Oh, okay. Okay. That's cool. Well, I know that you level, like, for Masterminds, you can level up and you get access to, like, Mastermind-specific creatures that you can lay down. Okay, that's kind of cool. That's a progression. That is kind of cool. That's true. But you're right, that's loot boxes are outdated at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's just... When we're talking about a game that feels undervalued, slow, throwing loot boxes in there just feels... 
rough on top. I feel yeah, like yeah. I think is what the sentiment that I'm Ben with the like the additional stuff they're adding, they're adding it to the element of the game I don't really care about with Resident Evil is like the multiplayer mode. Like I want mm-hmm. more single player things. And I think if they had more like even if they had mercenaries mode, which was in the original, I think that would have yeah. helped a lot. Definitely, yeah, and a lot of people have said that. I think in a more general sense though, to kind of pull back from Resident Evil 3 a little bit, um and tell me if this is crazy, because um, before we do any conversation talking about money, I do think it's important to say that, like, I am totally aware at how privileged we right. are, right? Like, I, I'm not, I am aware of that. We get a lot of codes for free. We get a lot of games for free. You know, we are, we are very fortunate to be in this position that we're in, 100%. Um, on top of that, I also spend a lot of money on games, more so than I do any other entertainment in my mm-hmm. life. Like, I really enjoy movies as well. Um, and this is not a one-to-one comparison, I understand that. But the amount of money that I spend on video games versus movies or any other form of entertainment is way smaller because that is what I prioritize in my life. And so sometimes when I play a, a bad game that I spend money on, I'm kind of okay with that because I've emphasized video games more in my life. Like I've kind of allotted for it in a way. Like I get more mad when I go to a theater and see a bad movie (laughs) than when I spend money on a bad video game because I'm more invested in video games. If that makes sense. And it does make sense. Yes. Even though I may have spent a lot less money seeing that movie (laughs) in a weird way. Yeah, Yeah, I get you. So, um, and I think everybody kind of has to make those evaluations, right? In terms of investment level with things. Um, But that being said, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like with games, especially back in the day, if you didn't like a game, there was a way to kind of recuperate your costs, and I feel like your chances for recuperating your costs are less and less. Yeah. Like a lot of games, you not only pay an upfront cost, but you might spend a lot of money on microtransactions or just like online services or whatever. And so, I don't know. I I see why people will feel. Burned. Yeah, man. Especially you know as digital increases, uh, trade-ins are going to decrease, but. Yeah, you, it's harder to rent a game. I yeah. mean, G- Gamefly still exists, which is surprising. I mean, like that's still a service you can do, uh, but it's not as easy to rent a game as it was even ten years ago. Uh, and mm. so, yeah, Ben, I see that the opportunities for recouping your costs is an interesting phrase, and it is absolutely true. Um, do you think time and place has a lot to do with it? So let's say. And this is just a hypothetical question. I'm not trying to justify it. Uh, let's say Resident Evil 2 Remake didn't happen, and Resident Evil Remake 3 did in exactly the way that it did. Do you think this conversation would be happening in the same way? No. No, because RE3 Remake would be exciting. It'd be, sure. look how good this game looks. Look how good Raccoon City looks. I can't believe RE Engine is capable of these faces. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> without... Without Mr. X to compare Nemesis to, it'd be like, man, Nemesis is so scary, so intimidating. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I think I, it would be much better received. I think it'd be better received. I think one of the biggest criticisms I ever see of games always is its length mm-hmm. and if it's worth mm-hmm. the money. And I think people would still be throwing that out there. 
if it released the way it is. Sure. Because people are like, wow, I'm going to pay $60 for like a seven hour game or something. It's like, no. Especially nowadays when people can just watch it all on Twitch. What's funny is, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of WWWs that we utilize anymore. Uh, howlongtobeat.com is such a nice resource. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Brad, because it goes both ways. It goes the, is this game going to have enough money or hours to be worth my money? But it also has, is this game too long? Yeah, it's like, do I want to spend this much time with this game? Yeah, yeah th- for it's, sure. It's an incredible resource. I love that website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is too. just such a particular to video games. It would only exist inside of this medium. Um, but is 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 not even a thing that you would think about to make a website for unless you've you've played too many video games and you've mm-hmm. bought too many video games. And I, I really appreciate that site. Kyle, how long to beat is like one of my most visited websites. I feel like, like definitely probably in the top 20, yeah. maybe, I don't know. I, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I use it yeah. a lot and it's because it doesn't overcomplicate itself. Yeah. Like not only is it a good resource, but like, the way it presents its data is amazing and so clean because you go there and it's like, all right, for this game, I'm only interested in the main story. It will tell you exactly yeah. how long that main story is. Then it's like main plus a little bit of extra stuff. And then it's like completionist. And it's like, these are the three categories that I want to see. And you could see how many people have submitted data to mm-hmm. it, which is also very useful and how they played through the game. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish we could get sponsored by How Long to Beat. <laughs> we should sponsor them. <laughs> We should sponsor them. You know what? Hey, free free shout out. Um, do you think this this kind of conversation, right, over Resident Evil Three and its price point? Do you think it's useless in the sense that like it's too individualized to a person in their situation to really come to a consensus, or do you think, kind of, you know, optimistically as a video game community, we can? make some pretty well-defined guidelines for what is too much and what isn't. It's so weird, Ben. It is the discussion happened, right? Nobody would disagree that there were a number of people who were disappointed in this game's length. And so there is a number. We don't know what that number is. There, There is an invisible guideline. There's an invisible wall of what is too short for a $60 video game. Mm-hmm. And um maybe if we had more data we'd figure that out but what i love is that it it just hits critical mass right so if people are complaining that a 40 hour video game is too short they're not going to get out you know nobody's going to read their tweet nobody's going to care about their comments but when they start caring about re3 and it just starts piling on it just reaches this point where a general perception is that re3 is too short for the cost and so i think that's Mm -hmm. ben i think that's super interesting these sorts of things the answer is yes, mm-hmm. there is a limit, but I think it's impossible to really define right now. Mm. I, but I almost feel like even though it is undefined, it is felt. Yes. Right? Like you were, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I think with RE3, it's kind of weird because some stuff's missing from the original. I yeah, think when you have yes. a remake and some stuff's gone, like they obviously changed and added some stuff, but I feel like there's a, like when I was playing through it first time, I was definitely waiting for certain areas the clock tower yeah i was waiting for the clock tower mm-hmm. that was my favorite part in the original game yeah and it's just like no oh. i was like oh okay well all right well maybe we'll add something else and like kind of kind of did and i was just like oh okay uh, Brad, i think if the game so, was an hour and a half longer or something like that a dude, lot more people would be happy even just an hour and a half honestly i think would have changed perception yeah 
so I in in my Resident Evil craze, uh, I have been picking away at the original Resident Evil Three as well, which I haven't uh, really touched since I did the GTA mm-hmm. playthrough with Huber, and it has given me a less favorable outlook on Resident Evil Three. Sure, yeah, which I still like oh, and enjoy, and I think there's a lot to defend, but I I think seeing again with fresh eyes how they represented Nemesis in the original. I do think he is definitely and disappointingly sure. underutilized in in remake. But yeah, um, but it's like at the same time, like I'm glad there's no worm boss anymore because that's yeah, that no, sucks. <laughs> fucking worm boss. That was my least favorite part of that playthrough. Jeez, but like, I yeah, no park man really hurt. No clock tower really but hurt. But at the same time, I think Carlos but like, is fucking. But like, awesome. yeah, the really extra like, Carlos yeah. is really sick. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for some emails? Sure. Yes. Boy, I feel like these frame traps have gotten shorter, and I can't tell exactly why that is. Like, if you just get into more of a flow, the more you do something, uh, and that's a good Jones sign. wasn't on this one. <laughs> Our first email comes in from Mirko. He says, hello, allies. With the current lockdown situation, I'm catching up some movies like many people are. Catching up on some movies like many people are. The other day, a scene from the movie Ford vs. Ferrari got my inspiration going for today's game. In the scene, Henry Ford II tells his employees to come up with a brilliant idea to help push the Ford company in a new direction. Whoever comes up with one gets to keep his job. Today, the panelists are the head of a major gaming franchise, and they will get two ideas from their employees. Who gets to keep their job? So, we have this series, we got two different ideas, we can only keep one. Resident Evil, these are the two ideas. A turn-based RPG, or an Umbrella Tycoon game. For a turn-based RPG. Yeah. I'm firing I, the person who said Umbrella Tycoon game. I would love a turn-based I, RPG. I actually think I would pick, I actually think I would pick the Umbrella Tycoon Do you think it'd play like Pandemic? I don't know what it would play like exactly, but I just love the because that's kind of the thing with Umbrella, right? Is they are they have their hands in so many things, and so I love the idea of the like trying to wrestle with the economy of kind of these like upfront businesses while also dealing with the seedy underbelly. I think it could be really cool, but of course, yeah. What if it's just The Sims, but like <laughs> once in a while there's an outbreak and you it's gotta fucking be, deal with it yeah. it's like every three days. <laughs> I think that's cool. Um, like it's cool, cool. but. Turn-based RPG sounds real fun to me. An unconventional turn-based RPG. Anytime yeah. we step away from warriors and crystals, I'm like a little more excited to mm-hmm. see what we do with sure. this. And so, yeah. I think that's no fair. question, dude. All right. The consensus from the whole group is turn-based RPG. I think those were two interesting yeah. things to compare them. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, a 2D beat-em-up or a Musto game? <sighs> hmm. Dude, I would do a 2D beat-em-up. Same. I'm going to fire the Musou person. Yeah. I I think Kingdom Hearts can feel like a Musou game at exactly. certain segments anyway. Yeah, yeah it, right. It's, it's not going to be that different. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's going to be that different. Sure. 2D beat em up, right. man. 2D beat em up. Yeah, especially if it's co-op, man. That'd be sick. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can uh, use I'm... assets from like the, the films, the 2D short films. Maybe mm-hmm. we go in the more of that direction because mm-hmm. of its 2D nature. If they do a 2D beat em up, I want it to be like gorgeous sprites. Yeah. Like, I want King of Fighters 13. Right. Mm-hmm. Sprites. And you're just Pete. 
yeah trying to find that black box yeah dude a a belly charge button or something (laughs) hell yeah yeah you're just pete the whole game that's it and if there's multiple players they're all just other pete's yeah like a green pete no yeah no pj dude his son's here finally pj is cool and i actually feel like i want it to be like x-men arcade where your characters just never shut up either like he's narrating all of his special moves dude kyle what if it's pete and goofy origin yes like predates everything like you have to unlock pete was originally part of mickey's knights or something with him yes then it's like the descent yeah he's obviously from mickey's kingdom yeah yeah dude that's such a good idea oh no Uh, sonic about this sonic the hedgehog okay here we go a dr robotnik mech game or a dragon's lair like interactive movie dude i would take dragon's lair to see sonic get like toasted into a skeleton brings me great joy I'm picking a Dr. Robotnik mech game. Yeah, man. Because I feel like you get to design the creations too because he's got so many f- different features. Yeah. And Brad, here's the thing about the Dragon's Lair thing. Sonic goes fast. He's going to like stop every four seconds. No, you dude, like, you like, it's going to hit a wall or something. <laughs> I'm looking forward to killing Sonic in hilarious ways. So that's the point of the game. Okay, that's, that's an interesting for, angle on well, it. Well, like in Dragon's Lair, you're going to die a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're going to run out of coins. Like think about that with Sonic. And okay. like, yeah. That sounds fun to me. Like if it's if it's like hand drawn to like Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Good stuff. He's gonna get impaled by spikes a lot. Yeah. And hot take. If, don't really if, okay. don't really like Robotnik. Don't give a shit about him. He's whatever to me. Yeah, I'm mostly in it for the robots. He's not right. a very captivating villain to me. Sure. I, I think that's a totally fair thing, but the visual design of a lot of robotics machines are awesome and you getting to play around with those those designs. All right, Ben. Well, I'm thinking of Sonic Team making a mech game right now, current Sonic Team, and I Mm -hmm. don't have a ton of faith in it at this moment in time. I think my lack of faith makes me more interested. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, But, Brad, I will concede a Dragon Lair game if... Because you mentioned Sonic Die in Horrible Ways. I want this game to be, like, way too graphic. Oh! Like, way more graphic than it needs to be or should be. I was thinking of Dragon Lair tone but no uh, okay like like you're it, it has that kind of front mm-hmm. to it where it kind of has that like dragon's lair aesthetic mm-hmm. and you're like oh man what a gorgeous animated game and then you get to a death and you're just like oh my yeah. god like no yeah that's kind like, of the experience that i'm going about with. how upset people would be yes it'd be so funny yes. that's, that's fascinating yeah, it's right? fascinating it's... okay ratchet and clank a mario kart like racing game or a skateboarding game Skateboarding game. Easy. I would rather Come play on. a skateboarding game. I think. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, Th- that's more interesting. They don't have the cast to support a full kart racer. Yeah, you got like Quark. You got Ratchet and Clank. Girl Ratchet. Girl Ratchet. You got <laughs> uh, the like the, the, the Dr. yeah. Affairs. You got him. You're running I don't, low. I'm not. Like, I don't remember yeah. a lot of the characters. <laughs> yeah, you're running low. I think a Ratchet and Clank racing game could be of cool course could be. if they apply the weapon mentality to like skateboards. The Rhino skateboard. Mm. Yeah. All right, Mega Man, a Metroidvania or a third-person shooter? Oh, Metroidvania. Damn. For I me. want both of these. This is the first time I want both. I have to fire I one. Per- I, I have wanna... to fire one of them today, huh? Just lower their salary. <laughs> I don't know that I want a Mega Man third-person shooter. I don't know that I want that. Like taking cover, dude. 
But it, Ben, it's still squat Mega Man, like original model Mega Man, like taking cover with a wall right here. It's just such a <laughs> sick idea, you know? If it's if it's kind of like Mega Man powered up mixed with Gears of War, yeah. okay, okay, sure. In fact, I'd be curious. I think I do want that more than the Metroidvania. Dude, Metroidvania is just Wily's castle, man. And you're mm-hmm. going through different sections of his castle with the different robot masters, getting the armor upgrades. Right. Ooh. And so, and so, like having the leaf power would allow you to go yeah. to new areas and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Cause I already. Isn't ZX already kind of Metroidvania? It is. I don't Yeah. In fact, yes. It Make does, it it does have a lot of those aspects. But we're talking Mega Man, the little boy. Yeah. Little blue boy. Yep. I want. Mega Man the little boy to fight the locust specifically. <laughs> Room X. <laughs> Help us, Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Mega Man. You're a cog now. It's a cool idea. All right, Need for Speed, an, asetri- an asymmetric multiplayer game of cops and robbers or a rhythm-based driving game. I'm listening to the rhythm-based driving game. I'm picking rhythm based. Okay. Yeah. I guess just because that doesn't exist, and they've they've had modes where it's cops versus driver or drivers before. It. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, a dating sim or a visual novel? Those kind of blend together. I feel like <laughs> they do. Yes. I'm picking dating sim. It's hard to have a dating sim without yeah. it being a visual like, novel. Are you a Metal Gear character sure. in it, or are you just some random character dating the Metal Gear characters? I think you're Snake. I think in which, my head you're Which snake? snake? You are old you're Snake. You're old Snake from 4? Yeah. And here's the thing. All you can do is just call people <laughs> over the codec. codec. Yeah. That's it. You you can't walk up to anyone. <laughs> so it's just you doing a bunch of codec calls. <laughs> <laughs> and like just... I want an interaction where Snake is calling up somebody via codec and he's like, um... Hey, want to go out on a date? And it just goes, and they hang up. Dude, what if it was your Otacon and you're trying to date everyone? But it's very fun. It it ends bad every time, just like real Otacon. Otacon ends up going on a date with Vamp. And at the end, you just get Sunny. And you realize you don't need a woman like that in your life. You're good (laughs) with just Sunny. And he's just a dad now. He did. He found fulfillment as a dad. Credits roll. Yeah, that's it. Johnny's there to give you support. Otacon would be weird. Of course it would be weird. It would would all be weird. What do you mean? I just want Old Snake to find love. Yeah. I just want Old Snake to find peace. Get rejected by Meryl. Alright, anyway. That was a fun game. Uh, Next email comes in from Rodrigo. Uh, Greetings from Columbia, Ben and Panel. Hope you're holding... Your own during these trying times. Like many, I found solace in our favorite hobby and chipping away at a backlog of books, movies, and games. Kind of similar themes here. Uh, but in truth, a sudden surprise interfered with all of that, and that's when I saw that Tie the Tasmanian Tiger remastered was out on Nintendo I Switch. saw this too. Overcome with nostalgia, I remembered playing that game as a kid on my trusty PS2, and without second guessing, I listened to The Inner Child and bought it again. Uh, now, Ty received... 
average to positive reviews in its time, and it's a serviceable by the numbers platformer. Still, I'm having tons of fun rediscovering it and find myself dreaming of a modern reboot with updated visuals. Why? Because I love its world and charm so much. I love having a game set in the Australian bush and outback, full of weird critters with a strong accent and having dual-wielding boomerang-throwing tiger as my character. For me, it turns an ordinary platforming collectathon into a vibrant adventure full of quirks and personality. I really love the way this email is mm-hmm. written. So finally, we come to my question, what settings do you feel are criminally underused in the gaming world? I'd love for more games to be set in the outback. I've always wanted more games to be set in ancient civilizations like Mesoamerica, Greek, or Egyptian settings. How about you? Stay safe. Hmm. Great question. It is a great question. So great that we're struggling to come up with any yeah. sort of answer at all. Uh, more games, like Norway or something, or Iceland, Greenland. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a game taking place in there off the top of my head. Unless they're Viking games. Yeah, there hasn't been that many yet. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't Assassin's think Creed games. coming knocking though. Guys, what about Feudal Japan? <laughs> I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, I guess. And I guess what's appealing about the outback for Tai isn't necessarily the geography, it's the vibes. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah, like Assassin's Creed 2 vibes. Italy. Right. I kind of feel like there aren't enough games set in like the industrial era like oh okay yeah like gangs in new york i just thought of bioshock infinite like that's what i'm thinking of i just feel like we tend to to kind of like we do world war one we do world war two we very much focus on the wars but i think there's a lot of interesting stuff just kind of with the industrial revolution and like those huge advances in technology and and how they change the world i don't know like i i think when people do tackle it it's like oh it's a strategy game and i i think you can do it in other ways Mm -hmm. as well i don't know i'm just thinking out loud this is stream of consciousness right? yeah so one example i'm thinking about a lot right now is uh better call saul Mm. uh which like breaking bad takes place in albuquerque takes place in new mexico and it's not the point of Breaking Bad or Battle Call Saul. In fact, it's just where there were tax breaks. Um, but uh, the New Mexico-ness is so well utilized in that show. Yeah. Um, they just let it be where it is. And so I guess I would ask for more of that, more specificity of these locations. Uh, what is truly unique to these cities? What is truly unique to mm-hmm. this country? Um, but yeah, this community as well, what people talk like there, what people wear in these places, uh, the more specific you get, the more truthful your environment seem. Kyle, that is so brilliant. I think you're so right. And it makes me think of how much better TV and film is at utilizing that. Like I think of Fargo, for instance. That's a good one. Um, and how that feels very particularly Midwestern 
whereas I feel like games, it's like, this is set in America, mm -hmm. like nondescript big city America or whatever. And I think you could be a lot more regional. Yeah, that's a very good point. I know that there are going to be things that I think of outside of this podcast. How about Hawaii? I was thinking of that sure. too. GTA. Some Hawaii games. GTA Hawaii. All the mm. islands. Okay. Hawaii's good. I like it. Um, our last email comes in from Brandon. He says... Hey everyone, as I write this, the dual set hasn't been known for even 24 hours, but it's the talk of the internet as everyone, myself included, is giving their thoughts and critiques on the way it looks and some of the features that accompany it. But I simply ask, does this even matter? Sure, haptic feedback and the dynamic tension in the triggers do sound intriguing, but outside of that, so long as it's comfortable, should we care about how something looks when we don't even look at it all that much when we use it? What are your impressions, both in terms of feature and design? To go and get to the very heart of this email, I'm personally indifferent on the design, though if the face buttons had their multicolor look, I would be much higher on it. Thank you for taking my email. If you do, and as always, stay easy, fellow allies. Does it matter? Does the way it look matter? Um, to an extent, I think. Like, you're going to be look. I actually look at my controllers quite a bit, but it's definitely not the most important thing. Obviously, it's how it feels. And to me, at least, and how it functions. But in terms of the controller itself, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I think it's okay. I do like that it's very different because the dual shocks have kind of like looked very similar throughout. They made small changes, but I think the two color scheme is interesting. I think we will get a solid one though. But uh, I think it's okay. I mean, what's interesting? It, it it becomes an accessory to your living room. It sits there. Yeah, you yeah. see it. It is absolutely, I think the design, visual design absolutely matters. Like it shouldn't, it won't to us. We're obviously, if it was, uh, you know, if it looked disgusting, uh, we would still buy it. Um, uh, but so I get that point, but no, I think, I think they spend a lot of time on visual design and I absolutely mm -hmm. think it matters. I think that controllers can look cumbersome and intimidating to people not into video games. Right. I, I think it absolutely matters. Think about how these things are marketed. Like, whenever you see a promotional thing for a console, the controller's right there with yeah. them. Like, it, it kind of, I think it plays into the perception of how people think about these consoles. And I think, like, the original Xbox is a good example, right? Like, I think the Duke and the bulkiness of that definitely played into the perception of that console and you know, to the point where they had the Xbox controller S, right? That was uh, less bulky, bulky, right? And so I, I do think it, I, I think it just, how we think about these things, like I think aesthetics play into mm -hmm. it a lot yeah. for sure. I mean, that's why they sell different colors of stuff because people really like yeah. them. I want to show my favorite yeah. uh, PS4 controller, which I only bring out for the big games playing using this for Final Fantasy VII right now. Um, the buttons are not multicolored, and I kind of love them for that. Yeah, mine I use right now is not multicolored. Yeah, it kind of reminds. Kyle, that is a Final Fantasy VII remake controller. Yeah, dude. The non-multicolor kind of reminds me of like Vita. Like the Vita didn't have like the colors. I'm personally okay without the colors, but I understand why people like them. And the buttons actually seem like see-through plastic too. Yeah, like the the Vita. Yeah, the Vita was like that. They actually, they look, I'm ready to press those buttons. 
Yeah. Ready to feel those triggers. I realize that this is just nostalgia, and I feel like I've said this before, but in the 90s when it was like, you can see inside the guts of this thing, that not that cool? Mm-hmm. That is cool, and I always want that to be an option. Still cool. Yeah, still cool. But yes, I do think it, the, the, the design of the controller matters. And it seems yeah, like you guys sure. agree. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it does. It totally matters. Yeah. It shouldn't, but it completely does. Aesthetics matter. Yeah. Right. And that's true of life, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like how things look shouldn't play into perception, but they, they absolutely do. Yeah. The way of the world. Um, if you'd like to send in an email, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Uh, big thank you to my panelists, Bradley Ellis and Kyle Bossman. Kyle, I think this is going to be your last frame trip. This is so my last you. one. I'm glad oh, it was a man. Final Fantasy VII one. Yeah, baby. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited about that. I know we didn't like really focus on you at all, but I I, I liked that you were here to talk about Final Fantasy VII, as you yeah. said. It, it felt right, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, huge thank you to you, Kyle, not only for being on this episode, but for all the times that you've been on. I think you... Of course, bring a lot to Frame Trap and everything else. Frame Trap's so. a fun podcast to be on. Yeah, I'm glad because that. when you talk to a friend about a video game, you get two minutes, and then yeah. they're done listening to you. You know, and so it's yeah. like on Frame Trap, you can really dig into things and really yeah. discover new things you weren't even thinking about video games. So it's pretty nice. Cool, 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 cool. Well, uh, if you would like to find out more about us, please go to Patreon.com/EasyAllies. Uh, where we do not just frame trap, not just podcasts. We do a ton of things like reviews. See, Kyle, you're inf- like, I don't even mean to. Like, I don't even mean to uh, crib stuff from you. But sometimes when you're doing your bit on the podcast, where you're talking about the other things we do, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's smart. We should promote the other things. That we sure. Do. And so yeah, yeah, I think that's that's just good practice. Uh, but that is definitely something that you started. But yeah, go to patreoncom allies. You will find out more about us there. One more time, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Until next time.